Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. You know, it's funny, there's such a difference between the days here. Um, Monday, you know, I, I fuss over the weekend and I try and prepare a show and I have way too much information. I'm very serious, very serious on Monday. Uh, by Wednesday, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just having way too much fun. So Wednesday is, a, is an entirely different dynamic than Monday. And of course, by Friday, you know, yes, I'm ready for the weekend, but I'm also thinking of Monday show. So this is like this perpetuating cycle. Uh, it just keeps going round and round and round and round. And where it stops, nobody knows. Uh, in fact, I know where it stops now. It stops with the, the one and only lovely and talented Bill Fetke. Let me play his theme right now, and let's get into our... Actually, this is my birthday show, <laughs> so we're going to have a little bit of fun uh, with that today uh, as well. Long Tight Action Radio presents the Fetty Report. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Greg, happy birthday to you. (laughs) That's for you, Bill. Thank you. A a salute (laughs) to start my day. That was wonderful. I couldn't push yeah. the button fast enough. It was it wasn't working great. So let's uh, let's do a little correction here. And now that I have your attention, <laughs> yeah, this is kind of funny. I'm, I'm having a good time with this. I feel great. I you know it's uh, you know, as, as I, I told Bill off the air. You know I thought I was supposed to be old at this point. You know you look at your life when you're you know 20, 30, you think oh god I'm 63 right uh, today and and it's just funny and you look back and you go gee I bet you're gonna be really old when I'm 60. I'm feeling great. I'm just running around. I was bike riding yesterday. I'm in the gym after the show today, losing weight, getting healthier. You know still on the recovery from heart surgery, which was six years ago, uh, October 24th. I can't believe it took this long to recover, but apparently that, that's, that's how it works. Of course, we a lot of stress thrown in, like being fired and starting a new, you know, a brand new radio show from scratch again, you know, with a whole different company. But uh, so that, that probably extended my recovery greatly. But uh, yeah, no meds, no pain. I'm, uh, I'm doing okay. Hey, Bill. See, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, just think about it this way. You are mm-hmm. actually seven years older than Blanche was uh, from when she did Golden Girls. What? <laughs> That's the scariest thing I've heard all day. Blanche. Blanche was which well, one? It, Blanche was, Blanche was um, kind of, um, she was kind of the high, uh, to, uh, southern, she was the southern one. Um, that kind of oh, I remember. Rue, that was uh, Rue McClanahan or Rue McClanahan or something like that? Or whatever her name was? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I know yeah, her. So, okay, uh, right. she, she, she was actually like 55 when she did that uh, show. The Golden Girls? So, I mean, the Golden Girls. So, I, you I could do a show the Huh. Golden so so I, could do, I could do the Golden Boys. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I knew you were going to go there. 
Yes, and now the Golden Boys with Greg Vanglis on Action Radio. <laughs> yeah, that, okay. just, that just sounds like it's uh, not for TV. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, it's the like Golden a... Boys, no, 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 no. Yes, exactly. No, it, go, it worked with the Golden yeah. Girls. I don't know what we call us uh, 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 boys, uh, something. Uh, men, how about that? Let's call us men. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it, uh, the whole thing sounds kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, we, and we're not, we're not going to bond like the babes did anyway. So, uh, But that is funny, though. That's, uh, I didn't know. Well, age is such a weird thing. Um, because it's, uh, you know, uh, like a lot of my friends are their their biggest thought is retirement and taking it easy and, you know, sit on the porch and doing nothing and golfing and stuff. And I'm like, I got this new career. I'm having fun. I'm building something. This is really exciting. I don't know where this is going to go, but, um, you know, it's attitude. It's all attitude. It is. And I think that I, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because the older I get, and maybe it's just because I'm paying attention a little bit more now to people my age, um, we tend to be a lot more active, a lot healthier um, than the younger generation is. And, you know, the old saying, motion is lotion, and I think that has a lot to do with the way that we are brought up. Very different version of that, by the way, of, of motion, but I'll, we'll, we'll save that for another show. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, mon- that's on Monday's show. <laughs> that's Monday's show, exactly. <laughs> we'll talk to Dorothy about that. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, but no, seriously, motion is lotion, and uh, uh-huh. you know, the more movement you do, the more mm-hmm. lubrication goes into your joints. Um, oh, and so when we were younger, our generation, if we wanted to be entertained, we had to move around. Whether uh-huh. it was going outside, playing, you know, playing ball with the neighborhood kids, riding bikes, uh, just goofing off, playing tag, uh-huh. um, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. I mean, even watching TV required motion because we didn't have remote controls. We were oh, the remote you had to get controls. Up. <laughs> even Saturday morning cartoons, we had to do something and uh, you know, had to move. Yeah, that's really fascinating um, because I did a lot of bike riding. I, uh, I was never a, a jock. I was never a sports guy because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't sing a basket or, you know, uh, or any, I couldn't skate because of the way my feet are constructed at, at various angles. So I went into music. But I also went to marching band, and marching band, for those that don't know, especially when you're a tuba player and you've got, like, you know, 12 pounds of sousaphone on your shoulders for eight hours, that's exercise, folks. You know, and you've got to pump, you know, gallons of air through this horn. Uh, that was a sport. And you look at any of the, the marching bands, the college bands, the high school bands, especially the competitive ones, they are every bit the athletes that the sports people are. And so I've always been okay, active. Well, I, always, I'm going to yeah. argue, as someone who played sports, I will argue with that. Marching band okay. is not a sport. It may be athletic uh, to a certain extent. Well, no, it's not a sport. But yeah. It was yeah. yeah, well, in, in terms of competition, well, except that marching bands compete. So what's the difference in terms of you don't – well, you, you, you are judged. Well, how about – I'm more, so glad you brought that up. Well, it's like gymnastics. Because gymnastics is – you know, it, gymnastics is judged on the performance. And what's the difference between that and marching band, for example? Exactly. And that's the problem I've, I have with figure skating is the same mm-hmm. problem. Um, hmm. They may be athletic, but anything that is determined by a judge, I don't consider to be a sport. I consider to be an I consider to be athletic entertainment. Hmm. Uh, because Except a that, sport, it, it, in right. my eyes, a sport, there's a definite winner or loser that is determined by the players, not hmm. from a judge. Okay. Even though one, so even like, though one can argue that referees throw games and whatnot, but, you know. <laughs> well, no, actually, it makes a, it's an interesting <laughs> distinction point. because speed skating would be a sport, figure skating would be a competition. Correct. Okay, that makes sense. Just like cheerleading, yeah, just like mm-hmm. cheerleading. Were you a cheerleader? Um, marching band? Oh, hell no. 
<laughs> Wait, no, no, the reason I ask that, I mean, I, I'm sarcastically, obviously, but also the other thing is that cheerleading used to be men. You look at those movies in the 40s yeah. and 50s. Ronald Reagan played a cheerleader in college. And I forgot what that film was with Ann Sheridan, who was like totally hot at the time. And, and Reagan was a total doofus, um, which is kind of funny. But um, yeah, he was, the, he was a cheerleader. And the men did the cheering. And it was a very physical sport. And they did the big pyramids, and they did the, the somersaults in the air and stuff like that. Even in my college at, at uh, UMass, they had uh, male and female cheerleaders. Now, the women were lighter, so they put them on top of the pyramid, obviously. But uh, it, there's yeah. still guys cheerleading. I don't know if, cheer, if guys cheer today at all. I think they do, though, with some of the competitors. Yeah, got, got, yeah guys still cheer. And, you know, George mm-hmm. Bush uh, the second, he was a cheerleader. The younger? Which we shouldn't, yeah, we shouldn't be surprised by that, by the way. Uh, but I, I think it was... When he was in college at University of Texas, met Laura? I think, is a cheerleader. Is that how he but met yeah, Laura? Yeah, I do believe so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if she was a cheerleader or not. She was probably at the jock. She was probably the yeah, one wearing the pants she's... in the family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That happens more often than, than not, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, but no, I mean, cheerleading, uh, figure skating, band, those are all competitions. Of course, mm-hmm. the, the um, that I was in professional re- yeah, I was about to say, the business that was in professional wrestling, athletic yeah. entertainment. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I mean that you know because it is a scripted event. Um, it's, mm-hmm. even though it's determined by two people in the ring, it's it's still scripted and they follow a script. So that's where the entertainment comes. See, value comes the wrestling into is it. fascinating. It really is fascinating that we know it's scripted. We know the outcome is predetermined. We love it anyway because it's fun. So it's entertaining. So we, we kind of push aside the fact that uh, it is predetermined because they're good guys and bad guys. And, it, and of course, the women are doing a whole lot of stuff in wrestling now too, and they're fun to watch. Uh, us guys love watching chicks, you know, have it out in the ring, but, um, it's, it is, it, what is the phenomenon? Has anybody ever done a, like a psychological profile on that? We know what's going to happen, but we watch it anyway. Or we know that it's predetermined. Um, it, it's, well, we, we vote, when I was, when I was in it, we used to call it a, a physical soap opera. And, and, oh. and basically that's all, that's all professional wrestling is, is one big soap opera when uh-huh. done correctly. When done okay. correctly, because uh, that's how people get invested into it. Because uh, okay. it's all about emotion. You know, mm. politics is about emotion. Wrestling is about emotion. TV shows, it's all about emotion. How many times have you heard someone get really pissed off because a character on a show did something to a different character? I'm like, come on. It, you know, it is scripted. But yet we still get so involved in it, and it's it, it just mm. – it's kind of mind-boggling, actually, how people actually fall into that Well, people that have been trap. attacked, actors uh, who play villains have been attacked on the street. How could you do that? You know, you know like the like yeah. James Bond villain. And, and they're like, I was playing a part. I was, it was a job. I was working. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and they, don't, and they don't understand. But, yeah, people have been uh, soap opera people who are nasty, you know, who cheated on their, their spouse, which I think is, you know, de rigueur for soap operas. You kind of have to do that. Otherwise, what's the point of yeah. watching? Um, but, uh, yeah, but some people get really into it. They're so into it. Well, wrestling too. They have their favorites. You know, people dress in costume and paint their faces and and go there and and, and watch their favorite villain or or you know hero. Or it's great. It's really fun. Speaking of politics, it is. <laughs> what's the difference? And, 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 it, and it gets you it gets you out of reality. You know, for the for those two hours or three hours, whatever the show is nowadays, you mm-hmm. you get you you lose you kind of lose what's going on in the outside world. Just like watching a football game or baseball game. You, you, you know, you, or at least that's the way it's supposed to be. Of course, football, basketball, they've all incorporated politics into their broadcast, which bad. is really annoying. Yeah. It is bad because people, people watch sports to get away from reality. 
mm-hmm. um, and, you know, kind of live out their own fantasy childhood dream. You know, it's like, oh, I wanted to be a baseball player so bad. I, you know, I would have watched it just to kind of live through somebody else, which, which is sad in itself, actually, when you, when you really well, no, think there's about a lot it. Of, there's a lot of sports teams. You know, there's softball leagues, there are baseball leagues, there are amateur sport things. And just like entertainment, too, you've got local light opera and musicals. And, uh, you know, like I say, I'm, so, I'm still trying to get a rock band. You know, am I going to tour, you know, like Van Halen? No. But I still want to play in a local band and do beach clubs and have fun. So it just depends. As long as you're in the game. You know, do you need the recognition of a, a major league sports team to, to have fun with it? I don't think so. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that are doing, as long as you're engaged in it, as long as you're in the activity, you're not just watching. Uh, the spectators, I mean, you know, you have fun being a spectator, but uh, at least try and play the game. I think it makes a big difference. Well, it does. And it, and it gives you a whole new level of respect for what they're doing out there in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very easy to sit back and, you know, and yell at them and cuss at them for dropping a pass or, you know, striking out. But, you know, yeah, go, go you to try the it. batting cages. <laughs> yeah, go to the yeah. batting cages like that have the professional uh, machines that throw curveballs and throw fastballs oh. at 90 miles an hour. Do we have and, one around you know, here? I'd actually like to try that. I, you know, I've, yeah, um, I've the, where? There's one or there was one. I don't know if it's still there on Davis Highway. Um, it's a tra- it used to be the training ground for uh, the original Pensacola Pelicans, which was a minor league team here. Uh, but I do believe that they still have an indoor field and batting and batting cages that you can go ahead and do. And they have okay. different levels that you can do it at. And that's what I strongly suggest to anybody is that, you know, Go ahead and try it, or you know, just go ahead and sign up for well, a Let's have a little football. friendly competition. Let's have it like an action radio night. This is in Pensacola, Florida, for those that are listening in Azerbaijan and Iceland and Thailand who don't know where we're talking about in New Zealand. But uh, Pensacola, Florida, on the Gulf Coast, uh, Gulf of Mexico, that's where we are, up in the upper left corner of Florida. That's where we're broadcasting from. But uh, I've actually tried batting cages. I'm not too bad at it, strangely enough. I mean, I've got the hand-eye coordination for some things, but I can't run that fast, so, you know. But uh, I would love to do it. You know, we would have, like I say, a friendly little competition, get some of the other folks in the area. Uh, I bet you Josie can hit a baseball. Betcha, betcha. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, the batting cages, though, you know, once again, you know, batting cages, there's a lot of people who succeed very well in batting cages. And mm-hmm. they'll come back, you know, if they hear what I just got them saying, they'll come back on the show and say, I, I do great in batting cages. I could have played pro. Well, no, you can't no. because batting cages – you know that a fastball is coming, or you know that the curveball is coming. Oh, you, you do? Know, in, in How do real, you know? Because you're programming it well, in? Well, it's, it's all pre-programmed, and unless you really put it on, like, random, you, you wouldn't know. But you could still get a timing down, where in right. baseball, you know, just because they throw a fastball 100 miles an hour, they're not mm-hmm. going to throw that fastball 100 miles an hour every single time. It may yep. be 95. It may be 97. And those two miles an hour make a huge difference on where, how far that ball flies. And just because you make contact and it looks like you made good contact, that fly ball might have went right to an outfielder or might have yep. been line drive right at a second baseman. So which hmm. you're out, whether you strike out or line out, it's still an out. So yeah. it, it, interesting. It, 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 yeah, it is very interesting. And, you know, and I, I played, you know, when I grew up, I played soccer, basketball, and – I guess that was it, soccer and basketball growing up. Mm-hmm. So I, I had, you know, if I could really talk about those two sports in depth about, you know, what they do wrong and stuff like that. But as far as football goes, it's just strictly visual for me. I've never played football and I've never played baseball. 
Um, <clears throat> so it's it's just something speculation, you know, and that, like uh, every other fan, it's just more speculation than actual doing. And uh, so, but yeah, but yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting. Uh, and I totally forgot how we got on this subject, but I'm going to go ahead and just switch the subjects right now. That's not good. Um, well, sports yeah. politics, same yeah. thing. We've got a we got a <laughs> we got a horse race going on right now in the midterms, which is fascinating. I think what's happening. So, Oh, so, so we have incredible mm-hmm. stuff happening right now. Uh, this past week, mm-hmm. every single Republican that's running uh, has gained at least one point in, in the polls. Whether they're already ahead or they're behind, all of them have gained at least one point, and most of them mm-hmm. have gained at least two points. And why do you think that so, is? So this, okay, so you got uh, uh, two theories on this. Uh, last week I discussed on how – Real Clear Politics did a recent poll, or uh, did a study on the polls versus the actual outcome of races over the last 10 years, and realized that each poll has about a 5.9 percent favoritism towards Democrats. Hmm. Um, so, but you know, but my theory on some of these polls is because they don't. A lot of times they won't tell you who they're polling. Um, and I have a big problem with a thousand people from Montana and a thousand people from California. Mm-hmm. It, it may show that the Democrat is favored or it may show a 50, 50, you know, we'll say presidential election. Okay. It may show 50, mm-hmm. 50, but Montana only gets one or two electoral votes where California has what? 30, 29, something like that. Um, so that's not a fair poll uh, when you're talking uh, dealing with the president uh, because of well, the it's 55 California has 55 electoral votes. It's huge. It's ridiculous. Okay, it's insane. Okay. Yeah. 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 In Montana, I think is one or five or it, it's <laughs> single one. digits. I know that. Yeah. How many states have one representative from Wyoming? Alaska has one representative, even though they have two senators. Uh, some of the other mm-hmm. places just have one. Because Rhode Delaware, Island has Rhode Island or Rhode Island one. or Delaware something like that, yeah. or Washington, D.C. has one, uh, Puerto Rico has one. And they're not even uh, a state. Samoa. They shouldn't have one. They shouldn't have any yeah, Samoa, Well, Samoa has one. Samoa has one, but they can't vote. Oh. Yeah. That's, you know, are they I, counted I found, I found towards – wait a minute. Are they counted towards the majority party then? No. They're, they, they're, well, they're considered a non-party vote, uh, um, a non-party non-voting, or a representative who – can't vote, which so what do they I don't do understand there? why I even have. Well, uh, well uh, I'm, I'm assuming they lobby. So, uh, that's true, yeah. But say we have a scenario where you've got a, a tie, you know, between uh, Democrats and Republicans, except for the Samoan, <laughs> you know, and and they're they're I'm guessing Democrat just because just because uh, I don't know why, but yeah, uh, territories need lots of money, and lot, Democrats give lots of money. So like Puerto Rico, you know, they're going to be mostly Democrat. So can you imagine losing the Republicans losing the uh, the House to a, a nonpartisan, nonparty, or or non-voting Samoan? I'm just curious. Well, they well they can't be. Well, uh, no, because it's not. I, I don't think that it's counted as a Democrat or Republican because it is non-voting, so it doesn't. It, it, it's not considered. Uh, just like Puerto Rico's not considered, Guam's not considered. Um, but right now, if you look mm-hmm. at the polls and, you know, assuming certain victories, um, you know, right now they're saying there's about 38 House seats that are a, kind of a toss-up. 
that are too close to call at this moment. Um, so, but taking taking those 38 out right now, the Republicans have a 221 to 176 advantage over the Democrats for the House. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even even if all 38 toss up votes or toss up reps go toward the Democrats, uh, which they won't, but if they did. Uh, Republicans would still have a seven-seat advantage. So Republicans are pretty much guaranteed, to, you know, which we all know is going to take over the House. But yeah. what I found interesting was on the Senate side, mm-hmm. because I, I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that the way things were looking, I thought maybe we could get to, the Republicans could get to the 60-seat mark. Uh, but looking at the House, but looking at the seats that are up right now it's pretty much going to be impossible for uh, Republicans to get to that 60 seat mark. And we're looking at closer at 52 or 53. Uh, but yeah, watch uh, how much in- the Democrats use the filibuster uh, in the next, when this, when the Senate is Republican, you know, the people that said they wanted yeah. to get rid of it, <laughs> you watch how much they use it. They're going to use it almost every vote if they can. Yeah. And when the Republicans yeah, try it, and make it, things reconciliation, they'll say, well, that's not reconciliation, even though it'll be exactly the same kind of bill that they made reconciliation. And watch the parliamentarian, who I think is, a, is, a, is an avid Democrat, uh, the one that, that makes bills that are rec- calls for bills reconciliation when they have nothing to do with the Budget Act. So, yeah, watch the, hypocr- the hypocrisy when the hypocrites come forward in, in legions. Well, they, they always are hypocrites. They're hypocrites no matter what. Uh, but the yeah. interesting race, what, what really it's going to come down to right now is Alaska. Um, Alaska right now is Trump versus McConnell. Um, and that's fascinating. It's very interesting. So McConnell is really pushing hard and throwing lots of money right now at Murkowski, the incumbent. Um, Trump wants uh, – uh, I screwed this up last week, but I'm going to try it again. Chewbacca. Okay. Chewbacca. I, I think it's pronounced Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Ooh, <laughs> Solo. But – Mm, going but to be there, Jedi, they are. Mm. <laughs> Chewbacca. But Sorry. There, there is a third-party candidate in here that's oh. pulling a lot of weight. Um, uh, Chesbro um, is a Republican also. Um, and what we're looking at here is right now, uh, when, you don't, when you do not include Chesbro in the polling, Murkowski has a huge lead over Chewbacca. Uh, hmm. But when you throw all three into the race, mm-hmm. Shabaka's ahead forty three thirty nine versus seventeen. Uh, so, um, so she's pulling from uh, the other ones. The the other ones pulling from Murkowski's vote. And what's her name again? Not Shabaka. Yeah, the other one. Yeah, uh, Chesbro. Yeah, so are these both moderate, squishy, rhino, transgender Republicans? I mean Democrats, even though they're Republicans. I missed that one. I don't know much about Chesbro. I really don't know much about Chessbro, um, and I didn't think that uh, they were that it was polling really well. And then all of a sudden, I looked at the the polls last night and saw uh, Chessbro's pulling in seventeen uh, percent. I'm like, whoa, this is something serious here. So this is, but, well, this know, is interesting. Uh, now, but, is it a protest vote or 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 is it a split Rhino vote? Because this is really interesting. Because Murkowski. You know, her dad got her in there, as I understand, and they changed the voting system to this, uh, you know, rated whatever they call it system. Rank Uh, Rank voting. Rank voting, which was specifically to keep Murkowski in. Sarah Palin hates this system, and rightly so. Uh, I think that sort of, I don't know if it kept her out or what her status is right now. I think she's running in the House for for Alaska. But this, and putting another Republican in to draw from Murkowski. Is that a Sarah Palin operation? Is that a is that an America First thing, or is it just an accident? It just kind of happened. 
Um, well, you know, uh, there was five people originally that are running for this specific seat. The other two mm-hmm. are just not even worth mentioning because they're only pulling like one or two percent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because because in this race, it, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. You run, you just they just take the top votes. Um, so that's how that. So that's how why we have two Republicans running right now in, in a general election. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that. So Shabaka is. Um, you know, even though she's ahead, most of her, all of her money or most of her money is coming from Alaska, where Murkowski, most of, uh, only 20% of her money is coming from Alaska. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of tells you right there. Well, uh, the reason, though, this is the big thing, though. If okay. she loses, which mm-hmm. is going to be hard to do with this ring system, but if she loses and Masters in Arizona wins, like we think he will. Oh, Black Masters, or, yeah, I hope uh, so, too. Yeah. So if those two happen, McConnell will basically be voted out as Senate Majority Leader. Oh, good. He should be. And so that's why McConnell's pushing so hard right now to help Murkowski and giving no money at all towards Masters. Which is interesting because Murkowski is, is basically a Biden voter. I mean, she's supporting everything that Brandon calls for. You know, and yeah. so McConnell, McConnell does a lot of that, too. So it's like the, the judges we thought that were really – you know, good that McConnell was 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 getting in the Coney Barrett, frat boy Kavanaugh, and Gorsuch. They're really big corporate judges. They're not, you know, constitutional judges like Scalia was and like uh, Thomas and Alito. So it's really McConnell. You know, the one thing we thought he did well, he didn't even do that that well. But uh, did you hear a chat with uh, Wendy Rogers when she was on last week? Have you had a chance to go catch it live with the podcast? No, not yet. Okay, because we talked about that. We talked about she talked about Blake Masters. She talked about Kerry Lake. Arizona is is just fabulous to watch right now. There's some really good stuff going on out there, and so uh, there yeah, is. Yeah, you know, there, there's yeah. a there's a libertarian candidate uh, running in that uh, Lake Kelly race uh, who's mm-hmm. pulling fifteen percent in wow. the polls. Now, now I, I am going to say this because our friend of the show Bob White, uh, who ran for governor here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, he was pulling as high as 11, 12% in the polls, but when mm-hmm. the final voting came out, um, he, you know, he ended up with, I think six or 7%. Ooh. Uh, was the polling wrong or, yeah. or did people just go party and they just couldn't do the independent thing? Well, no, Bob White uh, lost in the Republican uh, primary. Oh, okay. Um, right. yeah, no, what it, what it really comes down, cause he had two high, uh, high, um, high profile candidates in, um, Adam Putnam, who was the former Secretary of Agriculture, and then Ron DeSantis. So at the end of the day, uh, people looked at him as someone that couldn't, that Bob White couldn't win. You know, and so they, you know, voters are just stupid. Instead of voting for who they want to vote for, they vote for mm-hmm. the one who thinks can win, which is just idiotic. Because if you like the guy, you should be behind him no matter what. And if everyone voted for who they wanted to and not who they thought could win, then we would stop seeing the establishment take over all the time. Yeah, that's um, such a weird phenomena. I mean, I don't understand that. I mean, I voted Libertarian when I, in California, which was absolutely useless. Uh, but it didn't matter because that was the right vote. And so I've always gone with principle. In fact, the founder said that to, one of our founders, it was Franklin or Jefferson, said that if you vote your conscience, you know, you'll never, you'll never have that self-betrayal. You'll never have a regret, even if they don't win, even if they don't come close. So the purpose of voting is not 
always to, to – certainly not to vote for the winner. Uh, the purpose of voting is to express your opinion. And many times the, the losing vote and the percentages and the fact that certain people you know, get their voices out there. A lot of people run for president who are never going to be president. Pat Buchanan is probably the perfect example. He knew he was never going to be president. That wasn't the point. He changed the debate. He moved the needle. He had a huge impact at the time when he was out there speaking because he was one of the first America Firsters, absolutely unabashed American like Gene Kirkpatrick, some of these other Correct. folks on the old, older conservatives. And that makes a big difference. So I'd rather vote for a libertarian just to keep them in the game, to keep their voice out there because we need it. You know, debates should have libertarians and greens in them. Why? Because they give you, a, you know, the, the, the spectrum of politics is not Republican and Democrat. That is an extremely narrow range of political thought. I remember making that post on, on Facebook not too long ago. So you've got to have these other people in. And, and I don't know, maybe you can explain this. What is this compulsion to, to uh, it's like, I've heard this before. Well, if you don't vote for the winner, it's a wasted vote. Well, considering only one person can win, you know, what does that mean? All the other votes are wasted? I don't think so. Well, and that goes back to what the original question was, was why the polls are the way they are. Uh, mm-hmm. And this, th- here's your answer. Two things. One, if, if you keep the polls close in a race, then more money gets uh, thrown into that race. Ooh, so it's, it's a yeah, fundraising tool. Yep. And, and then the second thing is what you just got done saying and what we just got done talking about. Mm-hmm. I, you know, people want to vote for a winner. So therefore, yeah, you know, I'm going to vote for this person because the polls say he's up. Mm. Um, so, you know, or, or it could be turned around and it could be used as a tool where I've, we've actually seen this in the past where Republicans actually fudged a, a poll to show mm-hmm. that their candidate was losing by like one point or something. Um, mm-hmm. And that way they got out and said, hey, Republicans, you got to get out the vote. You got to send us money because we we're so close in this race. We got we to gotta get back in it. Um, so it, it, it's all it's all about fundraising is really what it comes down to. But the last thing I want to discuss today um, there's a revolution happening in Oregon right now. Mm. Uh, the far the far left Nike Corporation uh, owner uh-huh. Phil Knight, who has been diehard Democrat for as long as it could be, yeah, he's one of the first companies to come out as woke. Um, he is actually putting all of his money into the Republican candidate Christine Draza. Why? And this his is great, exact why? comment. Uh-huh. Yeah, his exact comment is, we can no longer have Demo- uh, a Democrat-controlled government. They have <laughs> lost their minds. <clears throat> they have lost their minds. What took them so long to realize that? I'm going to make uh, Wendy's line live if he wants to uh, join our stimulating discussion this morning. But, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, uh, the, the, re- the Republican governor race, uh, Christine uh-huh. Drazen has a six-point of um, okay. So, it, it, yeah, it's, it's very interesting right now on how uh, – yeah, but you know, but the Senate race, the Democrat uh, Wyden, who's the incumbent, he's got about a twenty-point lead. Uh, yeah. But it's well, still, nice more concerned about the state of Oregon, and he's throwing all of his money into the, uh, you know, and he's bashing. And it'd be interesting to see what the polls are like last week because he just came out yesterday and said this. So it'd be interesting to see what the polls look like next week with him uh, basically endorsing the a uh, Republican ticket. Well, let me just briefly, and before Wendy gets here, I got, I got a question for you. But what's going on in Oregon? The southern part of Oregon wants to join with the northern part of California and form the state of Jefferson. The eastern part of Oregon yeah. wants to join with Idaho. So Oregon very possibly could be Portland, <laughs> you know, the city state of Portland. <laughs> and that's about it. It is so bad up there that people are so disgusted. California's the same way. In fact, I wrote an article, my first one. 
on, on should we create city states that in California, you know, you can take Sacramento, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego, create four city states. And the rest of the rest of it would be California. And those individual city states would be their own political entities. You know, you'd have two senators, you know, one for the city states and one for the state. You'd have uh, representatives in each of the city states, however many, maybe one or two or three or, you know, whatever it would be. But they'd be independent governing and independent taxing. So you couldn't tax people in Redding or Fresno for the San Francisco BART system, the the train system. Um, But this is what's happening. They're fracturing, and it's probably most noticeable in Oregon right now. Have you seen the, the, the maps and stuff and, and the, the division? Yeah, California has been going around for about, several times. about yeah. five years now. Uh, okay. But, yeah, we could talk about that a little bit more next week. It's, it's never going to happen, but, you know, but we do have Singapore <laughs> and Hong Kong that are in city countries. So, but, yeah, yeah. I go earn my dollar for today. Okay. Well, that's Wendy's Wendy. a big question. Bye, then. Wendy. Have a good rest of the show. Hey, Wendy. Good morning. Oh, no. Your voice doesn't sound so good. Oh, no. This is terrible. Are, are, do we have you like 10 minutes, five minutes? What do we got? Um, whatever my lunch hold out for. <laughs> okay. Well, well, that sounds good. Let me get your, let your theme up here, and we shall be right back. Ooh, yeah. Oh, nope. Sorry. I'm having button prompts today. My, my, uh, <laughs> the, the screen just moved as I pushed a button. This is weird. All right. Let's try this again. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. Oh, wait a minute. I better get that. <laughs> Hello, Action Radio. Yes, God? Okay. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. God says, it's your creator calling. Happy birthday. Right. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to wish you a happy birthday. I just well, thank you very much. Great. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, now I know I, I, that phone ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I remember the old uh, Manhattan transfer song operator, you know, <laughs> information, get me Jesus on the line. <laughs> yeah, I do. Actually, I, I should probably it's get that operator. I can't play it, but yeah, yeah. Manhattan transfer, yeah. good group. Okay. So so what's, yeah. what's uh, we better get to the, 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 the show <laughs> or get to your report because I don't know how long your voice is going to last. I don't want to tax you more than necessary. First of all, I appreciate exactly. you being here more than you know. So that's the important thing. Um, uh, secondly, yeah. What you thinking? Well, I tell you what, it has been an interesting week um, with conversations with people, and I'm I'm noticing a theme that um, they're they're hearing rumors of the economic collapse and you know the U.S. dollars not being um, uh, valued as the world currency anymore and. Mm-hmm. And so now, um, now, and when they they don't really want to think about it, they don't want to think about how um, the world as they know it could possibly change so drastically that they don't recognize it anymore. And then they get mad at God. <laughs> well, He can stop this. <laughs> and then, and not only that, but then it comes down to the the personal things in their lives. You know, the the hurts and the tragedies and and things that, you know, everybody experiences just by being part of the world and uh, life in general. 
and mm-hmm. then they they get angry and, and and then they they kind of after we talk a while they they kind of um expose that it's not really the world situation that they're angry with it's it's all the personal hurts and tragedies in their lives that they thought um shouldn't happen and that if god was really god then none of these bad things and these really really painful things would have happened and and therefore he's not powerful because he didn't stop any of it from happening yeah, I guess they so. missed the fact that the universe is still working and turning and, you know, from subatomic nuclear particles to, you know, galaxies are doing just fine. Thank you. But you, your life, you know, a few tragedies. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. we don't get the, the whole cosmic thing, but I got a question for you. Doomsayers, you know, yeah. as you first started out, uh, oh, the world's going to end. You know, I mean, there's always somebody that says the world's going to end and that takes, yeah. but it, it has to be, um, you know, rational for people to believe it. Now the big thing is the currency is going to be destroyed or global warming is going to, you know, destroy the earth or there's always something out there or, you know, the, the whole economy is going to collapse and the, 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 the government is going to collapse and, you know, we're all going to be under, you know, martial law and things like that. And I just don't feel that. I don't see it. I mean, I, I know the problems of the world. I study it every day and I talk about them. But I think that there's, there's something, this is why this would be a good question for you. Is there something in the Bible? What does God say about the doomsayers, about the predictors of, you know, death, destruction, mayhem, you know, murder, pestilence, you know, biblical plagues, the whole bit? I mean, that they happen. For me, I, I can't, you know, I'm just one person. I, I know I can't change or affect that, things on that grand a scale. So I don't worry about it. If it happens, yeah, I can prepare for it and I can deal with it. But people almost, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy of them. They, they talk about it like they want it to happen. You know, I get this on the, the, the news all the time, you know, and people are always sending me videos. And they send me videos of information that I talked about two years ago. I mean, it's really nice. I appreciate the fact that people are thinking of me and they're sending me videos of other people's shows. It's like, A, I have my own to do. B, I'm way ahead of these people anyway, and C, if they're not going to talk about action, if they're not going to do anything, I don't need to hear the problems again. But there, there's, a, there's a huge percentage of people out there that really like hearing the problems that they already know over again. And that goes with the doomsayers. Yeah. It's like the worst well, possible it's, news. It's, Please give me the worst possible news. I'll feel so much better. I don't understand this, Wendy. <laughs> well, Guru. a lot of it is, is fear-based, you know? And, okay. um, and when you're living in fear, you've got your your focus is um, finding out what's causing the fear hmm. and what you should be afraid of. And it kind of validates the I'm, I'm allowed to have fear in my life thing because mm-hmm. this is why and this is why and this is why. And God says do not fear, and he doesn't want you focused on all the bad stuff. If there's going to be something happening, and there's going to be quite a few things happening, by the way, um, mm-hmm. and be be aware of them and be prepared for whatever is coming as well mm-hmm. as you can. Um, but the main thing is he says, focus on me because I've got this, you know, and something, some of these shakings that you're going to be going through, I'm causing myself because I'm getting to the root of the wickedness in the nation, not just mm-hmm. this nation, all nations. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and it's because it's his time for that. Now, you know what? He's God. He created the entire earth and the universe and everything in it. And you know what? If he decides that this is his time to take care of some stuff, then it's his time to take care of some stuff. Thank God he's going to take care of some stuff because you know what? I'm pretty sick of some of the wickedness in high places around here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If that, means that, if that means that, you know, the people who aren't wicked have to go through some stuff um, and trusting God through it, then knowing that there's a purpose for it, and then on the other side it's going to be good, then roll with it. 
you know, there's there's a major thing about trust. You've got to have some trust mm-hmm. in God. And my, my heart hurts. My heart hurts for the people who blame God for everything that Satan has done mm-hmm. because they cannot possibly trust him. There is no way they're going to be able to walk without fear. There is no way that they can um, have peace in their mind or in their heart or in their lives. And they are going to be, um, their, their emotional stability is going to depend on what is happening with each news story, you know? Hmm. And yeah. the mainstream media, their whole focus is to keep you that way, keep you upset, keep you feeling helpless so that they can come in, you know, the government can come in and look like the savior. No. A thousand times no. So may I please remind everybody today that when you see and feel the shakings that are coming, that there is a God who loves you and who sent a son named Jesus to pay the ultimate price for your sin and my sin. And we don't have to pay that price. We can accept his gift and through the blood of Jesus, we can accept that and say, wow, thank you so much because I'm not able to pay that debt. Thank you so much. So now I can be in the fold of, of your care and the fold of your protection. And when people experience bad things in their lives, it's because there is a free will factor we've already talked about on several shows that mm-hmm. God is not going to violate somebody's will. He's, if you are bound, bent, and determined to do a certain thing, no matter what the warnings are, he's going to let you. And you will have to suffer the consequences of whatever you chose. But you do not have the right then to blame God for how it turned out. Well, he could have kept that from happening. Well, he tried to tell you. You didn't listen. So for those of you who are, are, you know, wasting a lot of time and and energy, um, being angry at God is not going to benefit you at all, at all, because there's consequences to every action. Just that's just the way it is. It's either a good consequence or a bad consequence. But if you're not going to do things the way God says to do them, because he says that for our benefit, because he can see down the road what's going to happen, um, trust him and, and reap the benefit of, oh, I was spared that. I almost made that choice, but I didn't because the scripture says this. So I didn't do that. And now I'm not having to bear the burden of what uh, I, I could have done. And how about thanking God for the wisdom that he's trying to give you, trying to impart to you and saying, hey, look, over here in my camp, even though the world's going to fall apart and look like it's just you know, going to hell in a handbasket for a short while, mm-hmm. trust me over here. Just trust me over here. And come into my Goshen. And, and th- there's an old saying that, you know, my grandparents even used to say, is it well land the Goshen? And we just thought, well, we had no idea what that meant, but it was, mm-hmm. there is a land called Goshen in the scriptures that when Egypt w- was going through plagues and the flies and the frogs and all this kind of stuff, God told his people to go to Goshen, a, a town called Goshen. And those who were believing God and trusting God went there and, well, everything was around it. I mean, the, it was surrounded by the flies and the frogs and all that. 
it never went inside the city gate they it, because his people were protected there if they trusted huh. him to protect them and they went to Goshen like he said they were protected there so they is watched place all here? this stuff going on around it. Huh? Is it is there still a Goshen? Is it still on a map? Is it still a city or a town? Is there a place called Goshen? Yes, yes, huh. there is. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm not sure how thriving it is. It was always just a small place, but um, right. I, that'd be an interesting thing for me to look up. Yeah. But so so God well, is it's saying, a good place look, for us right all to go now, with I'm, Action Radio. I mean, I want to go to Israel. Okay. And I want to I want to go. I want to yeah, you know let's let's good. let's go let's go talk to the boss and say hey, what do you think of Action Radio? You know, it'd be it'd be fabulous. I would love I that. I yeah, would love yeah. that. Yeah, um, well, I've got trips planned. Um, we've, we've, I've got big plans for, for Action Radio, so I'm going to drag you all over the world. What are you going to think of that? <laughs> you know, we're going to have fun. Okay, anyway. Hey, uh, so, we're catching on internationally. We're getting just a sideline for a second. The audience in Australia, England, and Canada is growing so fast. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's greatly reducing the U.S. share. It is wonderful, yeah. So the word's getting out there, and people are telling other people. Despite the censorship, despite the, all the restrictions, despite everything that's happening, um, words get, people want to be free. And, and the word is spreading. So yeah. they do, mm-hmm. they do want to be free, and uh, and I I love that because you know God is about freedom, and He doesn't want anybody enslaving anybody else in any way, and and that includes governments enslaving their people, and you know taking away the right to even think and and act or do anything, you know, especially mm-hmm. when He's called them to do something. So you know he has called you to do action radio, and oh, yeah. and it's going time. to it's going to succeed <laughs> no matter you know who tries to shut it down. So yeah. and 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 a lot of that has to do with your attitude of, um, mm. hey, I'm not going to worry. You know I know that this is my purpose. I have to get this done. It mm-hmm. it burns within me, and I'm going to do my best to make um, it happen. The vision that that I have been given, and and yeah, that's no way doubt. you're going it's, to succeed with it. I've never. Thank you very much. And I've never had a situation like this where there's absolutely no doubt. Well, actually, no, that's not quite true. You know, I knew I could get a pilot's license. I knew I could do certain things. Uh, uh, you know, along the way, I knew I could travel by myself for for months at a time and have a great time doing it. But Action Radio, the, this is. I mean, they really. And this is a big project. You know, something that no one's ever done before. It's, it's all brand new. Yes. I'm not not doing this. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. But the thing is, this is not a normal thing for people to do. Normally, people want more safety and security. They want a company. They want a, you know, they want uh, some kind of uh, guarantee that, uh, you know, they want the paycheck, the whole bit. None of that happens here. Everything we do is pioneering and and total risk. And uh, and I and for some reason, well, yeah, I know the reason. You know, it's, it's, as I say, it's God inspired. Um, that uh, I have absolutely no fear. I know it's going to work. Do you know what happened last week? Did you hear the guests that we had? What? Wendy Rogers, yes, that was amazing. You know, from yes. Arizona, uh, state senator, first uh, one of the first women Air Force pilots. We had a great chat, and then the day after that, Peter Navarro, Trump's probably most senior, most long-term aide. Yes, and we we're talking about citizen yes. legislation. I've got no budget. I've just one person. I got a computer, a microphone, and a headset, and and folks like you <laughs> who believe in what we're doing. That's all we have here. And I'm talking to Trump's most senior. You know, a we're already in contact with the hopefully with the, the campaign for 2024 that I want to be a big part of with our ideas. It's all in the strength of the ideas because it's obviously not I'm not don't I'm not donating to the campaign. You know, I'm, I'm hoping the campaign will donate to us. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. this, is, this is the strength of ideas and the strength of faith and the faith that we all have. You know, in this has brought us to a position where we're talking to the most senior people in government. That to me is fascinating. Well, I. The, the testimony that you have right now, as from, from conception to right now, 
mm-hmm. is you um, you are at the point that you're at with what you just described with all these high-powered people and mm-hmm. no budget, and you're not paying them to, to appear on the show like all the, the big networks do and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. As a testimony to that, you've just trusted the gift God gave you, and you've trusted the vision God gave you, mm-hmm. and you are not even thinking about fear. You're you're moving forward no matter what. You have not depended on any entity to bring this about at all. You you have not had these deep pocket sponsors here, you know, and you haven't compromised. And that is something God is so pleased with because there are so many people who will say, yeah, I know that we're a conservative um, show, but you know, this, this major deep pocket sponsor over here, uh, woke company wants, wants to sponsor a portion of the show and they would take it. They would take the money so that they could do whatever, you know, their next foot of of the, you know, race would be for them in, in their program. You have not compromised one bit. And, even if a woke company came and said, here, here's, I will give you $700,000 if you will promote this show, this idea on your show. Um, and, and just, just kind of even do a point counterpoint thing. You know, you don't even have to, to, you know, go on the entire woke left side, just this kind of just introduce it. And you, you wouldn't take it. You would not be paid to compromise your own value. And because you know, the freedom that would be taken away if you promoted such you know, a left idea, which mm-hmm. is about enslaving people. Um, and God is, is very pleased with no compromise. And people hmm. blame um, Christian. That, that's one of the things that Christians get blamed for a lot. Well, you're just narrow-minded fundamentalist. You know, <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't even think about, you know, another um, thought or another way of thinking other than, you know, what, what the Bible says. Well, you know what? A little leaven leavens the whole lump, and you know that means that you know, that during certain feasts you couldn't have leavened bread. You had to have unleavened bread as part of the feast for a certain amount of time. Was it seven days, five days, three days, whatever their feast was? And because it the the leaven, the yeast um, represented the sins of the people. And so even a little bit of yeast made, made the bread rise. So, no, that's where the saying came from. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf, whether it was just a little bit that you put in there or there was a lot that you put in there. It ruined right. the whole loaf because it wasn't supposed to be in there. So, and if you compromise, which means, okay, well, I'll let this happen and I'll allow that to creep in as long as I can get the bigger picture over here, no. No, don't do that. If you have a vision, don't let anybody else's vision come in and say, yeah, well, you can still have that if you'll just do this too. Don't do it. Don't well, do you it. know, it's, I haven't. I, I lost a, a radio station job over it. I, uh, I lost a sponsor not too long ago. They had a different vision. And uh, no, you know, but, and I do it, like you say, without fear. I don't worry about you know, what are the consequences of these decisions because the, the, the principle and the vision and what we're trying to do here. I mean, this, 
you know, this is the reason I don't run to Salem or iHeart or Cumulus or anything else. People say, please, I would, you know, sponsor my show, be on, you know, carry my show uh, because they're going to have a boss. They're going to say, okay, great. Well, you're going to have news breaks yep. and you're going to have commercials and you're going to run this kind of stuff and we're going to edit your show and we're going to, you know, limit how much you can do. And, you know, here's your clock. They give you a, here's some, I'll give you a little inside radio information. They give you a clock. Uh, which which yeah. has you know where your breaks are and where how much the news break is and all the sponsors and here are the commercials you have to read and all this other kind of stuff and you know it's all the commercials we have here, uh, Great Care which is a wonderful health advocacy, uh, my book <laughs> which is a great book by the way, um, you know my pillow Mike Lindell uh, we've got Stand Your Ground our new gun range here in Milton, uh, Strike Force the energy drinks all of these things you know they're not one of them has said this is what you have to do. And every one of them is, is something that I either would use, do use, or, uh, you know, can't wait to go shooting when the, the range is set up at, uh, at Standing Your Ground. But these are all good people. I'm not going to have somebody on the show that, you know, it's not something I respect or, or would use myself. I'm just not. But it's, it's a, there's a price to be paid, uh, but I think the, the, but the price is worth it. And I don't think about the price to be paid. I don't worry about the consequences. And I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people that do that. They're just uncompromising, as you say. And uh, I've heard people interviewed, people that have, you know, had uh, worked at, for decades at things and uh, never got anywhere except that they did the right thing, they knew it, and they had no regrets for doing it. I don't have any regrets for the things exactly. that I haven't gotten or haven't done. It doesn't matter to me. That's right, still because you weren't beholden to anybody. Yep, yep. You know, and, and that yeah. is freedom in itself. Not to be beholden to anybody. You were walking in your path, the way God wants you to walk in that path, and you are free from anything and everybody. And mm-hmm. you know, you, you get it. to promote those things that that are good, and it's a wonderful yeah. thing. So, yeah. God bless Action Radio. And um, what I would like to do is um, close out with a a birthday blessing for you. Well, thank you. And uh, and um, and I would just ask all of our listeners to join with me in in this blessing for Greg because if it wasn't for Action Radio, you would not be listening to it right now, and you would not be getting all the ideas of of how to bring more freedom into your own lives, into your own country, your own city, your own state, um, and and how to do that, and how you act, can actually have a voice to make a change um, where you are, and a lot more. Um, there's a lot more places that are needing freedom than we even realize, you know, here in the States, because we, as much as our freedoms are being attacked, you'll have more than a lot of other countries and a lot of other people um, don't, they're suffering a lot more than we are. So um, thank God for, for um, the opportunity that you have to, to get ideas from Action Radio and, and how to make changes where you are. So um, join me, everybody around the world, and and blessings for for Greg on his birthday and for Action Radio. So, Father God, in Jesus' name, we come before you and we acknowledge that all good things come from you and that your hand of blessing is a wonderful thing to have upon us. I thank you that I see your hand on Greg and that I have seen it from the very beginning, almost three years now, um, of, of interacting with him, of seeing your hand on him and seeing how faithful he has been to walk in what you have called him to do. So I thank you for bringing him from this one little tiny show in Milton, Florida, to now being all around the world and all the people listening because he's been faithful. And I thank you that he's being an example to people all around the world about how fighting for something 
um, and not just fighting against something, but fighting for something makes a difference. He is fighting for freedom for people around the world, which is right in line with your heart. You want people all around the world free because you created man to be free, to walk in your blessing, to walk in your sonship um, when it's offered. So, I bless Action Radio in Jesus' name with great success, with being able to open doors um, through this program that would never have otherwise been able to be opened because you are blessing it. And I ask that he would have even a closer relationship with you in the coming months and years, that he would um, commune with you and be able to hear clearly everything that it is that you would like him to do. And I love how he receives your ideas, God, um, as he's going about his day. That it doesn't have, He doesn't have to stop and just focus on one thing and, and wait to hear from you. You speak to him the way you created him to be. And that's on the move, on the run, all the time. And he, when he gets an idea, he follows through with it. He writes it down and he can think about it later. But you, I love how he functions and how you created him. And that pleases you. So, Father, continued blessings upon Greg and upon Action Radio. I ask blessings upon his listeners all around the world that they would get a voice and they would use this venue to be able to create change for freedom for them and their fellow men all around the world. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I really um, am glad that God picked me for this. You know, it's, it's always the question you first ask yourself, you know, why me? And the response always comes back, well, why not you? And then I think to myself, <laughs> yeah, why not me? You know, it's, it's, uh, it actually, Action Radio makes perfect sense. Given the, the crazy, disconnected, you know, all the good things and the bad things that have happened in the course of my life, it's all led to this point. And, and I can trace it directly now, whereas I never could before. It's like, you know, uh, God didn't give me the pieces. He didn't give me the puzzle. He just gave me the pieces. Well, now I've got the puzzle. And now it all makes sense. And so I do fall through with the ideas. And, I, and like I say, it's, it's fearless. It's a wonderful feeling. I wish everybody could, could be this free um, to not worry about the future and not worry about being, you know, yeah. dirt poor and, uh, and, you know, what's going to happen, you know, can I pay the electric bill next month and keep the show going and all that kind of stuff. We're going to be in a position where this show is going to be huge, but not because it's for, for me, it's going to be huge because it's necessary to have the kind of political impact that we need to have in order to create the greatest amount of freedom for the most people. And so I always keep that in mind, you know, and as I've said yeah. many times, it's not called the Greg Pangler show. You know, and there's a very good reason for that. It was a conscious decision. That was not an accident. Um, because it really is, you know, action. And, and uh, from the Bill of Rights that we wrote in Australia uh, to the Bills of Rights yeah. that we will write in future places, you know, so, and, and as the international, we have a Skype line, you know, we're connected to the world. We have an, a live chat that anybody can type in, um, but we are under some severe censorship. You know, even, even yeah. Blog Talk does not highlight our shows. Um, you know, sponsors yeah. are not uh, coming to us you know, in great numbers, and big tech is suppressing us like you wouldn't believe. One of my new reporters was yep. telling me every time they post my show, you know, everybody sees everything that she posts except our show. So we are under some severe right. restrictions. And yet, we're here. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. And yet, this change is and yet the audience is growing. And it's growing. You know, and the, yes. So, and, and here's, and I want to just leave okay. um, 
God has been speaking to Australia through prophets right now and, and saying, hold on, Australia. Hold on, because your breakthrough is coming and freedom is coming. Um, the, the tyrannical government that you're under right now will be taken down and you will have your voice of freedom again. And that's not just through one prophet. I mean, that's been coming through several prophets um, at different times. So God is, is really speaking to the people of Australia, and he wants them to know that he has not forgotten them. Just hold on and trust him. And, mm. and are, you in, uh, things, but, are, are you in contact with any of the prophets in Australia? Um, I, I just read what they're, they're putting out. Um, Lana Vosser is, is an amazing prophet out of Australia. Um, and and uh, there, there are, Nate Johnston is from Australia and still, you know, uh, but he's moved over here to the States because the Lord told him to. Um, but he's very much in touch with what's going on in, in Australia. And, and there's, these are, you know, trusted voices I can tell you about. There's a lot of people who call themselves prophets, but, you know, if anybody who introduces themselves as prophet so-and-so, Mm-hmm. I, I automatically just kind of throw that to the side because, you know, a lion does not have to announce it's a lion, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Well, the reason I ask, though, is because, because we do have an Australian Bill of Rights, you know, uh, and it yes. is – I'd, I'd be fascinated what the, what the, the, the folks that are, that are looking at Australia and dealing with what's happening there uh, would think of this. Because I believe, uh, you know, well, have you? I don't know if you, I don't know if you've read it, but if you get a chance, you know, it's right there on well, our. I, um, I've, I've glanced at it. I haven't had time because it, it, it's, you know, pretty lengthy. Um, but here's the I thing. I have my moments. <laughs> I, yeah, and, and and this is why I brought this up because uh-huh. you did do the Australian Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. Is that when when all of this comes about? See, and, and it's kind of like laying dormant right now. Just kind of, you know, it's just there. And mm-hmm. is the spotlight is not on it right now. Mm-hmm. When God takes down the, the tyranny in Australia and, and replaces it with the government and the people in the government that he wants there that is mm-hmm. for freedom, I believe that that Bill of Rights that you wrote for Australia is going to be implemented um, in whole or in part. And this is, it will be an amazing thing, an amazing thing for the people. And and you had a part in it with little old tiny action radio, you know, that is growing by leaps and bounds. So it's it's going to be blessed. What you're doing is blessed. Um, and just because you you know you don't see the the great big picture about it right now doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So I, I'm mm. I'm going to tell you right now, people around the world, watch Australia, and um, after the the big turnover is done. Watch what happens, and you'll be able to say, you know what? They mentioned that on Action Radio, and Godgum, <laughs> oh, awesome. if it isn't here, you know? Yeah, so, that's wild. Yeah, just well, because something this... doesn't come about in, in three days doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, is, is you know, God's time is different than our time. But just to, just so that, yes. uh, you know, everybody understands, I wrote it with Jen Clark. Jen Clark's one of the founding members of their Freedom Trucker movement. They went from uh, Melbourne to Canberra. Yes. And I, I contacted uh, folks in Canada, Israel, Holland, uh, and Australia. And Jen's the one in Australia that answered and said, well, let's do this. And so just to give her credit, uh, she's working with Australia directly herself. And I've got it on our website here, and it's out for anybody to take a look at in the other country. You know, hopefully New Zealand will pick up on it in some other places too. But there's a lot of stuff that we could use here. 
<laughs> there's a lot of ideas yeah. in there. And yeah, it's a little complex. And yeah, you got to think about it. And yeah, there's some new concepts there. But between the two of us, we actually hashed out a lot of it uh, over, you know, Facebook Messenger calls and, and emails and things back and forth. So it really was a group effort. So it's, it's uh, you know, a lot of the ideas I came up with, but and then we refined them, we directed it, and Jen was doing a lot of stuff with, with the, you know, working with it for Australia so that it made sense for Australia because it's her country, you know. She lived there, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but, but yeah, and exactly. she had a lot of ideas between, and we're bouncing ideas back and forth between us. And it really was a fascinating process. It took us a few months to do it. This is not something that just happened yeah. overnight, but it's done. Exactly. And let's see what happens yeah, now. But, but done, yeah. word to the wise to other countries around the world who are listening to actual radio, um, go find the link to, you might want to post it, um, to the Australian Bill of Rights and, mm-hmm. and see how you can adapt it. You know, why reinvent the wheel? See how you can adapt it to what's going on in your country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we took from uh, the, from our own Bill of Rights here uh, parts of yes. it, especially on due process, rights of the accused, things like that. But the new ones were five G technology, mind and body autonomy, you know, freedom from uh, you know medical unauthorized stuff. I mean, full consent. I mean, full consent. Uh, so a lot of that is, and some of that's from the Nuremberg. Uh, um, doctrine and some of the other things that came out. So it is, it is fascinating. It's easy to find. All right, I'll tell you where to find it right now. And it's a podcast, so you can just okay. play it as many times as you need to. WriteYourLaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. WriteYourLaws.com. You click on Legislation which is the second item on the menu bar. You click on all proposed laws, which is the third item down on legislation. And it's like the first or second or third one. <laughs> but it's right there near the top. So that's how you find there you it. Uh, WriteYourLaws.com. Click legislation. Click all proposed laws. And that's where it is. Okay. You well, did there well. You, go. And you made it all the <laughs> way through. Yes. Thank and I'm you. I'm fixing to have a second cup of coffee that my sweet baby just made for me. Aww. And uh, see, see if I can get some breathing going on today. Well, listen, thank you, and, and thank you for the blessing, and uh, this, is, this is a very special show, and so uh, I really appreciate everything you do. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're back, and uh, we, have, uh, we have work to do, but it's good work. It's, it's, uh, it's actually right. really fun. People don't realize freedom is fun, folks. <laughs> freedom is fun. When you work for freedom, it's really a lot of fun. It's amazingly empowering, too. Well, listen, take care. That, that needs to be your next bumper sticker, freedom is fun. Freedom is fun. Absolutely, and working for freedom is even more fun. It just is. That's right. And that's why we do entertainment, too, because it's not all drudgery around here. You know, we, we, we can't, you know, don't get bogged down in the mission, folks. This isn't a, a guilty self-sacrificing. There's a lot of enjoyment in, right. in what we do. Yeah. Okay. Well, God bless you, too. And thank you very much for everything you've done. I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. Okay. Well, thank you. And You're welcome. Everybody have a blessed day today. Yeah. I get that voice back. <laughs> we, we need your voice. <laughs> I'm, Okay, let me play some things. I'll come back and uh, I got a couple more hours worth of, of information. We've got our callers at 215-383-3832. got the live chat. We've got a Skype line. You can call that way too. Uh, we've got a bunch of things that uh, you can do. But I've got some, uh, some things to run by you and we'll see what happens. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Great. 
Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio Live. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news! Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask to the answers no one has thought to consider, 
to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Okay, we're back. Yeah, it's been uh, uh, <laughs> I've been a lot of texting, <laughs> a lot of crazy stuff that I have to do you know, whenever I get a break, which is not often, which is fine. I like it. I'd rather be that way. Um, Wendy was amazing today. Wendy was just incredible. And so, uh, yeah, uh, and everything she says is completely from the heart and completely from God. And just, just you know, the 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 feeling I get, you know, uh, you know, having God at your back. I can't tell you what what that uh, what that means and what that feels like, unless you know yourself. And, and so, whatever you want to do, you know, in your life, uh, if you believe in it, go for it. Uh, whether it succeeds or fails, it succeeds because you tried it. And so, whatever happens or doesn't happen, you know, there's only so much you have control over. And so, all you can do is do your best. And sometimes, you know, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many things I've tried that didn't work. Lots of them. Well, I didn't stop trying. <laughs> You know, uh, I, I look at Colonel Sanders, for example. Colonel Sanders is one of my heroes. Okay, so here's a guy that retired at 65 and got bored. He says, this is it. <laughs> and he had boring jobs in his life. You know, he's a regular, you know, just a regular guy, right? His routine life. And he got bored. He's 65 years old. You know, so that's two years from where I am now. And, and he got, uh, he said, I want to do more. So he starts cooking chicken. Right? He likes cooking chicken. Okay, so he starts cooking chicken. He starts adding, you know, 11 herbs and spices or whatever he tosses into it. Takes it to his friends. Say, what do you think? This is really good. So people start coming to his house and asking for more chicken. And uh, that's, that's kind of cool. And, and someone says, well, you just, you know, you, we, we need more. You need, you need to make more of this. So this is great. So you, I guess he opens a little restaurant or a shop or something like that. And he's still cooking chicken, <laughs> you know. And, of course, you know the rest of the story, right? Kentucky Fried Chicken is a multi-billion dollar company. They call it KFC now. I think that's kind of a uh, – that's terrible because, you know, I, I like the full name, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, it's like FedEx was Federal Express, you know. WAPO was Washington Post. I, I kind of like the full name. It has more dignity to it. But that's just how I look at it. Anyway, so it's never too late. You know, um, Grandma Moses, uh, Moms Maybelie, some of these other folks who are older in life and you know, got started in careers. I mean, you know, uh, most of my peers are thinking of retirement. Like I say, sitting around doing nothing, playing golf, and uh, that's boring. You know, most people who retire die early. Okay, so, so, so keep working. <laughs> You'll live longer and you have more fun. And he might accomplish more. I mean, there's no reason to think that uh, all that, that wisdom and knowledge and experience that you've accumulated to this point shouldn't go for something good. Uh, and so that's why I say keep trying. Anyway, we've got a little bit of time. We've got another hour and 15, 17 minutes, something like that. So uh, the lines are open, 215-383-3832. This is traditionally when we had our, our, our Wild Women of Wellness Wednesday. And the hour after that, when we had for, for a couple of months, it was great, Captain Tom Stewart. And we talked about uh, defense issues, and he brought some incredible guests. That's all changed. <laughs> you know, we have, uh, we're having some amazing uh, transitions going on right now. We have new reporters, new ideas, new things that are happening. And again, we're making contacts, you know, in, uh, for example, the, the Trump administration with Peter Navarro and, of course, out west with Wendy Rogers and some other folks that are going to be uh, coming on the show and that we're talking to. Uh, it's pretty incredible. It's amazing what's happening. But again, it's, it's the ideas. It's the bills. It's the strength of the bills, the strength of the ideas, uh, and the strength of our, of our belief in freedom. And that's why it's all, it's all here. You'll notice every bill that we have is directly related to individual freedom. Uh, it's nonpartisan. We, you know, you know, I never really talk to you know, Democrats or Republicans when it comes to the bills. They're for anybody. They're for everybody. You know, and, and any, the Democrat or Republican sponsors our bill on vaccine product liability. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It's just as long as it gets sponsored. You know, our bill on, on ending big tech censorship. 
You know, I remember when the when the left used to be uh, the liberals, good liberals. You know, used to be really you know big on the First Amendment and free speech, and rightly so. The ACLU was a was a great organization. Now it's kind of been taken over, and they're now into suppressing speech. But that's that's a problem. But the 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 good you know liberal folks and the good conservative folks that believe in free speech, I don't care who is going to sponsor the bill. It doesn't matter. The main thing is the bill gets sponsored, you know, and it gets into Congress. And the state legislatures do do things too, and you know, and our, our bill to uh, um, our constitutional amendment to end the power of Congress to borrow money. Well, it's not going to end it for Democrats or Republicans. It's going to end it for all of them. And the minute that happens, inflation stops. The national de- debt gets paid down. Uh, they can give huge tax uh, uh, breaks because they won't be spending the money; they won't be borrowing it. Uh, the dollar will gain in value, prices will drop, and we'll be amazingly prosperous. But everybody will. It's not just one group or the rich, you know, because uh, it's going to it's going to affect everybody. Obviously, it'll affect you if you have more money, but uh, you know, it still benefits everybody, and that's the whole basis of what we do here. All right. So I got a theory. I've been sort of working on this, and I wanted to get this with, with Bill Fecky earlier this morning, uh, and I asked him why. Why now? Why are the Republicans all leading by a point? Why, you know, what, what is the turnaround? What, what happened in this election that made such a big difference, that such a big turnaround happened, and the Republicans are doing really well? And that's why I did the show yesterday. You know, why is it that the, the, the gelding old party, the GOP, you know, the, you know, especially with the rhinos, which I call transgender Democrats, why is it that they never push for a two-thirds veto-proof majority? I don't know. I don't think they want to lead. <laughs> I, I, I think they're going to win kicking and screaming, going, oh, no, how can we lose? How can we, uh, how can we sabotage this? How can we uh, you know, give away our power as quickly as possible to the Democrats? Because that's usually what they do. And so I have no faith in, in the Republican Party doing anything really good uh, until I see it. Uh, the, the rare moments have been uh, uh, Trump and Newt Gingrich. Those are the, those are the two bright points. In, I wasn't even a big Ronald Reagan fan. I mean, he's the one that put this vaccine product liability thing in the first place. So I'm sorry, you know, a little bit of lack of foresight there, Ronnie. You, you kind of goofed on that one, okay? Uh, that and signing a bunch of budgets sh- shouldn't have been signed, and Trump did that too. So, you know, the saying nobody's perfect in politics, uh, they keep getting dragged kicking and screaming to things that they know they shouldn't do, but they end up doing it anyway, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not sure. Need more courage of the convictions. You know, there are absolutes. Uh, and so uh, you can do that. But anyway, so I'm looking, you know, so the, the thought was the Republicans are doing so well that they, I think they should have and could have pushed for a two-thirds majority. Would they have gotten it? As I look at the numbers, as Bill explained them this morning, probably not. But that's not really, you know, the point. Again, you know, just because you can't get it, you know, doesn't mean you don't try. It's like, you know, you're not going to vote if you're not, unless you're going to vote for the winning candidate. Well, you don't know who that is. And it doesn't matter. What matters is what they stand for. So you're voting for what they stand for, not whether they're willing win or not. Ideally, enough people will agree with you, and the person that stands for what you stand for what the politician you vote stands for will win. And that's kind of how it works. But, but, the, but the thing is in voting for, for somebody that agrees with you, that agrees with your stance and your issues. I mean, that's what's important. Why would I vote libertarian in California, you know, when, when Bush is running for, you know, the simple reason that uh, uh, I knew, I knew my candidate was not going to win, but I, I, they had the best policies at that time. Now, I must confess, I did, uh, I, I, I wimped out, I went against my own principles and, you know, voted for Romney, even though I was in California, I knew he would never win the state, because Obama so disgusted me with his, his treasonous attitudes and fundamentally changing the country and everything else, even if Ron, Romney didn't win, I had to vote for something, and I won't do that again. You know, if it comes down to that, if I can't vote for uh, the president that I want, I'll, 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 I'll pick whoever I want, you know, from, as a Republican, I'll, I'll pick the person that, uh, like I say, libertarian, things like that again. All right. I'm digressing. 
So where I wanted to go with this is that uh, since they aren't doing the two-thirds, and it doesn't look like they'd have two-thirds, and even if they got two-thirds, they'd probably find a way to give away the two-thirds so they wouldn't have to actually lead, there was a turning point. There was a turning point rather recently where everything seemed to change. And where I think that turning point was, was when the Saudis announced that they were going to cut oil production by 2 million barrels a day. I don't think they've done that yet. But ever since they did that, everything seems to have changed. Of course, my question is why they did it. And I've got, I've got some articles uh, that are going to go into that. Uh, and we'll, we'll do more of that as we go through uh, the next little bit. And again, anybody wants to call and join me, feel free. But that seems to me the turning point. And so if you think about it, this is, before I even get into the articles, and, and uh, a lot of times I, I read a little bit, but I don't read the whole thing because I, I really like reading on the air and discovering things. So it, spontaneously, you, you get the thoughts as I get the thoughts. That way it doesn't sound all rehearsed and, and kind of gone over. Um, but it seems to me that uh, the Abraham Accords were the big deal in the Trump administration. Now, although I'm hearing some not so good things about Jared Kushner, he seems to be more in it for the money and for his own self, uh, as opposed to helping Trump administration, helping the country. We can find out more about that. But the point is that Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates and Morocco and other countries, Saudi Arabia, are now trading with Israel. That's never happened. <laughs> okay, So this is historic. Uh, the, 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 our embassy is in Jerusalem. Well, that never happened either with, with the regular standard establishment Republicans and Democrats. And so great things are happening in the Middle East. But there's a terrible thing happening. One, uh, the Brand administration and the Democrats always favor the Palestinians, which really aren't a people. They're kind of like a made-up, as, as it was explained to me, you know, Hashemites and other, uh, you know, refugees from different Arab countries that they didn't want. <laughs> you know, they called them Palestinians and threw them into, uh, you know, this various places as part of Egypt. Um, I guess Gaza and the Sinai and some other. I'm not sure. I'm not a, a biblical scholar or I'm a good Middle East uh, historian. But anyway, that's what happened. So why we favor these people, I don't know. Unless, of course, they hate Israel. The only reason I can think of the favor of the Palestinians, which have no economic interest and do not help the United States and have nothing to offer us, uh, is that they hate Israel. And that's the only thing they have to offer us is that they hate Israel, too. So, but but the, um, what, what Trump did was amazing, even doing a sword dance. Now, now picture this. American president in Saudi Arabia dancing around with a bunch of guys with swords. <laughs> you got to know the Secret Service was going crazy, but he trusted them. And he, he was fine. Here's, here's a little inside uh, action radio story. One of the people that was on the show that was absolutely amazing is Herb London. And Herb London, he actually looked like Donald Trump. It was really funny. You know, tall, you know, sort of orange-haired. Orange he's, he's one of these guys. Uh, and, uh, and I met him uh, 2018 at the CPAC convention. We were both locked out when Trump was speaking. And he just happened to be there. I looked at him. I looked at him again. He looks back at me with that, oh, yeah, I know what's coming. So I walked over and he says, yeah. I said, uh, I, says I know what you're going to say. I said, yeah, you look an awful lot like Donald Trump. He says, yeah, I get that all the time. Uh, but we got to talking. And it turns out he was one of the greatest foreign policy experts, certainly of his time. Uh, he, he passed away just, I think, like a year or two ago. Um, maybe it was a year ago. Mm, I'm not sure. Anyway, but I managed to get him on the show um, and got, uh, got a recording of his. I may play that. I'm going to that in my uh, – this might be a good day to play that. Actually, this is a good day to play that. I think I might have played it before. Let me see. Do I have my Herb London interview? Let me see here now. If not, I'll get it back because I think I've played it before. I've got Fiji. I played that one. i got a Gaze interview. Megan Barth is the one I haven't played yet. I might do that one today, uh, depending on how things go. i got the Benghazi. I played that. Okay, I don't have my Herb London. I know I played it, but he was fascinating. And just he was the one that wrote the speech that Trump gave in Saudi Arabia. That's what I'm getting to. All right. And so, so they had great relations. Uh, we've we've uh, had all kinds of arms sales to the Saudis. 
you know, we've had problems with the Saudis. They're the ones that inspired, you know, OPEC, you know, the, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. Uh, they caused the, uh, the shortages in the 70s. You know, there were two of them. Uh, seven, I forgot what the dates were, 75, 77, or maybe 77 and 80. Anyway, you can look it up. But I remember the gas lines. I was there for it. Here I am, a new driver, and there are gas lines. Great, thanks. You know, how come I don't get to play like all the other people play with their 57 Chevys and, and gas at you know 20 cents a gallon? No, no. I, when I get to be able to drive, there's gas shortages. <sighs> Story of my life. Timing is not my specialty until now. So, what is this thing with Saudi Arabia, and why you know why do they hate Brandon so much? That's what I think is really going on. So, I think the Saudis. My my contention is. You know, in the title of the show, did Saudi Arabia give a big midterm victory to the GOP? I would say yes. I would say that the major reason that so many people are favoring Republicans right now is because of what Saudi Arabia did. Because you look what they did. They promised. They haven't even done it yet. But they promised to, to cut production by 2 million barrels a day. Well, since Brandon was releasing only 1 million barrel, a, barrels a day, and we're at least 1 million barrels short now because they cut back on our production. They mandated that the, you know, it's funny, they're blaming the oil companies for not producing oil when they take away the power of oil companies to produce oil. It's really very fascinating. You know, it, it, it's like hypocrisy. Not, it's like, well, they don't even understand their own hypocrisy. And so they, they, they delude themselves into what they're doing is right, even though it's wrong. So Saudi Arabia promises to cut oil production by 2 million barrels. Well, what happened? <laughs> Gas prices started going up. <laughs> I mean, immediately. They've been raised. They've been cut production yet. Gas prices are going up. They're going up across the country. You know, California is now six, seven dollars a gallon. Something absurd because I think one of their they only have three refineries making these special California formula. So people are, are taking pictures of these these gas stations and they're sending them all around the country. So everybody's panicking, going, "Oh my God, it's seven dollars in California. It'll be four dollars here in no time." So I heard something interesting on the news yesterday, and we're talking about um, Obama, who's who who is president now, effectively. This is the Obama Brandon, you know, Obama three. And so, so we're in Obama's third term. And he said that his poll numbers directly opposed or, or you know, or coincided in, in direct inverse proportion to the price of gasoline. So in other words, the higher the price of gasoline, the, the lower his poll numbers were. This is why Brandon's are in the tank right now. So, the other thing, well, let me see what else. I'm, I'm doing this from memory. Actually, I'm not, I don't have this written down. I'm just kind of uh, speaking extemporaneously, as they say. So the other thing that happened was that uh, Brandon, you know, hat in hand, fist bumping, you know, idiot that he is, went to Saudi Arabia and said, oh, please, 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 if you're going to cut production, do it after the midterms. And oh, please, 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 we'd really like you to increase production because we can't stand American oil. That's the thing. The left doesn't like, doesn't hate oil. They just hate American oil. And Steve Ducey yesterday on the news, uh, he shares my birthday, too. It's kind of interesting. Steve Ducey, me, and John Lithgow uh, are the people. And Peter Tosh are, are the people that uh, I looked up, uh, you know, that share my birthday. Um, but anyway, interesting group, huh? You mentioned getting all of us together. I think Peter Tosh, I think he was murdered a while back. But uh, you get Peter Tosh, John Lithgow, Steve Ducey, and me in a room. <laughs> that would be interesting. Because we all have the same, not the same year, uh, but all have the same day, birthday. Anyway, so... Brand is doing all this crazy stuff. He refuses to let uh, he through Obama refuses to let uh, oil be our energy source. They're, they're getting they're trying everything else. And I believe, as, as Steve Ducey said the other day, and I've been saying for a couple of months now that they're trying to get rid of the strategic petroleum reserve. They're not using it just for for the price. They're trying to get rid of it because if they get rid of it in their minds, we can't use it you know, ever. So we're, we're going to have to be dependent on uh, 
you know, solar and wind and, and so-called renewables. Well, the question becomes, you know, since all the electric cars that they want us to, work, to drive uh, come from fossil electricity, as I call it now. It's fossil electricity. Well, well, gee, Greg, what's fossil electricity? Well, that's electricity made from fossil fuels, which I don't call fossil fuels. I call them organic fuels. But for this purpose, I'll call them fossil fuels. So you've got these fossil, you've got these organic, you know, fuels. They're, they're making electricity out of petroleum, which could be, you know, refined into gasoline very easily, where you get 100% of the power. But instead, I mean, this, this is, this is we, need, we need like a thermodynamics engineer. It wouldn't be too hard to figure this out. But if you take coal, oil, and natural gas, and you put it into a power plant, you burn it, because that's inefficient. <laughs> you know, you create steam. Steam is very efficient, but you create steam to create electricity. You run the dynamos. Dynamos create the electricity. Then you've got to send it down the power lines. Well, that wastes a certain amount. You know, and then you've got to get it to your, your home, and it goes through several transformers, and it gets scaled down, and then you have to charge your battery. Well, that's inefficient, too, because the battery never charges fully. Right? It's always a little bit, every time you charge a battery, it charges a little bit less. That's why your batteries run out of power, even the rechargeable ones. They never charge 100%. So every time you charge it, you're losing efficiency. You're losing power. See, but gasoline doesn't lose any power. You know, that last drop of gasoline in your tank before you run out is just as powerful as the first drop that went into your tank. Gasoline doesn't lose power. Now, is it the most efficient? No, but it doesn't lose any power. All that heat that your engine creates is wasted energy. So if we can find ways to, to cool the engine, cool the, uh, the combustion process, you know, our engines will be a thousand times more efficient. But they're still pretty efficient now, you know, even with that, compared to, uh, you know, a 57 Chevy, you know, V8, you know, belching stuff with no pollution controls. A lot of gas, not much efficiency. A lot of power, but at the expense of a huge amount of gasoline. But who cares? Like 10 cents a gallon back then. Of course, 10 cents bought a lot more. But the point of this is that creating, uh, mandating electric cars that use the same fuel as the cars that you're outlawing is irrational, especially when anytime energy is converted, it loses efficiency. So you take organic fuels from the ground, and instead of refining them directly into gasoline, you send them to power plants to be burned to create steam to create electricity, which then goes into your tank. So you're still filling your tank with fossil fuels, whether you're filling it by electricity or in a battery or whether you're filling it by gasoline in a tank, you're still using organic fuel from the ground to create that electricity or that power. It's just that the gasoline power is much more direct. So we all know this. Well, if you don't, you do now. Okay. So given that, given that uh, knowledge that you now have, you know, as to how this works, now it makes sense for the Saudis to do it. So the Saudis can't stand uh, Brandon. They really, they really, they're not crazy about the Democrats either because Democrats, because, uh, you know, and, and it's not that they love Israel that much, but, they, but Israel actually works out pretty well because, you know, there's a lot of industrial knowledge, a lot of trade, a lot of financial knowledge, a lot of things, good things, a lot of good things are coming out of Israel. Very successful country. Uh, and so the Arab countries are like, hmm, well, we've got to get beyond petrodollars. We can't just keep pumping oil forever. We need a, an infrastructure and economy. And that's why the Saudi prince is so knowledgeable. Smart guy. Uh, I've forgotten his name, but... Uh, you know, the Saudi prince, uh, 40-ish guy, um, knows that oil is not the way for, for his country to survive long term, especially when we start cranking up oil in our country again when Trump gets back in office. So the Saudis, um, you know, did one over on Brandon. I mean, this is purposeful. So a so month ahead, this is, this is the, the so-called October surprise, right? So what the Saudis did was that they, they cut, they announced, they didn't even do it, but they've announced that they're cutting oil 2 million barrels a day 
which is one million below how much Brandon is, is taking from us, the taxpayers, and putting on the market. And so the net effect is there's less oil out there, which means the price rises. You know, supply and demand, okay? We'll get into quantum and economics. Once I learn what it is, I'll be able to present it to you. But that's what's going on. And so uh, that's where we are. And so we have this incredible uh, situation, um, what's happening. And i got a couple of articles that will talk about this in just a bit here. But that's where we are. And so oh, i got messages coming in. It's a busy day, too. There's a lot of legislative stuff. A lot of people are trying to contact me during the show. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. I just got a text that Netflix has suspended my account, which is kind of funny because I don't have one. <laughs> so anyway, we'll worry about that later. Um, but that's, I, I really believe, and no one's talking about this in the news. You know, they're all saying, hey, the Republicans are doing well, and here's the horse race, and here are the polls, and here's what's happening. No one's saying, well, wait a minute. Looks like the Saudis just gave the, uh, the midterms to the Republicans. Now, they know that. So the question is, are the Republicans, do the Republicans now owe the Saudis for cutting production early and basically handing them the midterms and handing them the Congress? Watch for deals. Watch for deals. All right, let me play a couple more things, uh, and then I'll go over a couple of these articles here. And then if, uh, if I get bored, which I may very well, because <laughs> I like to talk to other people rather than, than do monologues, um, I'll play the Megan Barth interview, which I think you'll find quite fascinating. And then I'll pull some more up uh, from, uh, from before and um, put them on. And, uh, and I'm gonna be, I might even be able to upload one. I guess I can upload one. Yeah, I don't want to risk it during the show. All right, play a couple more things. Let me get back and forth here. And uh, I can do the Walter Williams one, too. That was a really great interview. Really described Action Radio, too. All right, what haven't I played yet? Let me look here real quickly. And let's go to, this is always, this is always cheery. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. 
Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Action Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay, we're back on the show here. I got a few articles for here. Just make sure. Yep, I turned on my mic. That's good. <laughs> Little things like that. You know, it's uh, this is why I'm going to be having a producer at some point here fairly soon. At least I hope so. Talking to some folks, and we'll see who uh, actually wants to join me in this crazy endeavor. So, the Gatestone Institute uh, is a rather interesting place when it comes to uh, articles and. Um, this first one's by Khaled Abu Tome. Um, sounds like a, a, an Arab name, if I may be so generalizing. And this is someone, look at their byline right here. It's a long article. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Um, but it's, it's from Khaled Abu Tome. is an award-winning journalist based in Jerusalem. So I put this in our international news group. So even though Gatestone is, is domestic, uh, it's an international policy institute. They do have a lot of foreign journalists. And so if they're outside the country, they can go on our, our new Action Radio International News Group. And that's where you'll find the stories from the foreign press. So headline here, Arabs, Biden emboldening, emboldening Iran. Whoop, hang on a second. I'm dropping things. There we go. Sorry. Ever have chair problems on a rug when you're trying to do a show? <laughs> That's what I have here occasionally. All right. So this is the other thing, too, is Iran. This is the other reason. I, for, I forgot to mention this in my uh, discussion a little bit earlier, that one of the big problems is that both Obama and uh, um, Brandon, which is basically Obama, you know, sucking up to Iran, <clears throat> of, all the place, of all the countries in the world, to try and, you know, make a nuclear deal with for absolutely no reason. I mean, it's, it's crazy. This is irrational unless – you hate Israel that much that you want to give Iran a nuclear bomb to nuke Israel. That's the only purpose for giving Iran a bomb because that's what they said they'll do with it. So if that's our policy, our official policy, <clears throat> is to give a bomb to Iran so they can nuke Israel, these people should not only not be in office, they should be in jail. You know, certainly as a preventive measure, <laughs> a great jail for prevention, but something has to be done with these morons. So hopefully we'll see what happens with the new Congress. Uh, gets in, see if they'll do anything at all. So let me just read you a bit of this. Uh, it's called Arabs. Uh, and this is Biden emboldening Iran, harming U.S. interests. The relationship between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia should be based on reciprocity. If Washington is looking for its own interests, as with the Iran nuclear deal or the cancellation of the Iranian-backed Houthi group's designation as a terrorist group, Saudi Arabia also has the right to seek its own interest. And that's Rami al-Khalifa, Khalifa? Syrian author. Uh, and that's from October 12th of this year. So just last week sometime. Another little bullet point here. Biden was, uh, was the one who decided to pursue a hostile policy towards the Arab allies. He and his team were the ones who gave in to America's enemies and went looking for nuclear agreements that are fraught with flaws and harm to many of America's friends. And that's, again, the uh, same person here. Uh, Abdul, Hal- it was a different person. Abdul Khalil Al-Sayed. Syrian author. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's, is that the same one? No, different. There's a couple of different Syrian authors here. Interesting for, for uh, 
writer based in Jerusalem. I'm kind of curious about that. Here's the other one. The Arab League, which is one of these coalitions of Arab governments, the Arab League, for its part, condemned the, the uh, Biden administration, which I call the Brandon insurrection, the Biden administration for waging a negative campaign against Saudi Arabia. So you can see the evidence is building. The case is building um, against uh, for Brandon, you know, against Saudi Arabia. And, you know, why would they do this? Why would they purposely antagonize you know, one of our allies? You know, and one of the people that we were, uh, you know, either we were friendly competitors when it came to oil under Trump. I mean, you know, if the Saudis cut back on production, we increased production. If they raised prices, we lowered prices. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was a direct competition. I mean, we, we and then we actually were really getting along well. I mean, they understand, that's business. That's just business. People understand that. But the basic interests of, of the United States and the Saudis to put Iran in a box, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. You know, kind of thing. So, um, however, it worked out. I think it, did that work out? Enemy, of my enemy. So the enemy of that. Yeah, the enemy of that. Yeah, exactly. So that's the United States and the Saudi. You know, Saudis got along, and this is why I think they released. They they made that announcement a month before the election, almost exactly a month before the election, that uh, they're going to cut back on oil production. And ever since then, the Republicans have been surging, and no one seems to be making this connection. Or maybe I haven't just haven't found it yet out there in some of the major journals. But that's what's going on. The Saudis gave the, the, the Republicans the midterms. That's my contention today. Article also says these reactions from the Arab countries indicate that the Arabs no longer see the U.S. as a strategic ally or even as a friend. Contrast that to the Abraham Accords of the Trump administration, right? I mean, that's a huge change. Uh, our, uh, this, call, this point says this is excellent news for the mullahs in Iran and their terrorist proxies in the Middle East, including Hezbollah, Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and the Houthis in Yemen. Yeah, that's like the, the worst people in the world, <laughs> that particular group right there. Right? Uh, article says, in retrospect, I think that was a mistake, Obama said, referring to his total failure to help the Iranian protesters in 2009 when he sided with the regime. He, he ended, well, yeah, he says it's a mistake now. I, I don't believe it. It says he ended by noting that it was important to, quote, affirm what they do, and I hope that brings about more space for the kind of civic conversation that over time can take the country down a better path. Well, that's meaningless. But here's what's interesting. Iran, and I'm not sure all the details because I'm only starting to get the, the news reports, but Iran has a, sort of like a little revolution going on. They've got some huge protests, uh, particularly over women and by women, who are being treated abysmal, abysmally in Iran. You know, it's a, it's a theocracy. Women have no place, you know, in, in that uh, fundamental Islamist state. And there was a woman who was killed in jail, raped repeatedly and killed. And a lot of folks object to that, and rightly so. They should be. You know, just like people should be objecting more to our January 6th political prisoners, but they're not. Anyway, in Iran, but uh, this woman was killed in jail, raped and killed in jail. Uh, and uh, a lot of protests are going on. And, of course, they're clamping down on it because that's what dictatorships do. So a dictatorship can be a, a theocracy dictatorship, you know, ruled by religion. Uh, or it can be just a regular good old-fashioned, you know, godless communist dictatorship. It's still, a, it's still a dictatorship. So it doesn't really, I mean, the, the origins are different, but the, the results are the same. All right. Anyway, so that's, I think that's, let me see what else we've got here. Any other good quotes? White House spokesman John Kirby gave the game away. He says, the president, he said, still believes that a diplomatic way forward is the best way forward. Well, what the hell does that mean? Here's another one. It is not a secret, however, that a diplomatic way without a credible military threat to back it up is useless. <laughs> Even soft power advocate Joseph Nye, former dean of the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, had to concede that. Had to concede that. Just to be realistic, soft power is never going to replace hard power. 
Well, here we go. Another one. The Biden administration, which I hate using that term, but for convenience, appears to be waiting until after the November midterm elections when Congress will be in recess for its Christmas holiday and therefore unable to block the deal. So there you go. So there's the, that <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> you know. So I don't know when the recess starts after the midterms, but uh, yeah. So they go to Christmas recess, uh, recess, and then I guess Brandon's going to try to do recess appointments and throw people in and. You know, get this nuclear deal for no reason. This is terrible. No wonder the Saudis are upset. Anyway, I wonder, like I say, I wonder if there's a quid pro quo. I wonder if the Saudis have talked to the Republican Party. You know, did Mitch McConnell have a secret meeting with the Saudi prince to kind of work this all out? I don't know. Certainly no one's reported on it. Well, let's, actually, that's a good, let's look that up. Let me uh, move my notebook here and pull up a, a new window. And let's see if we can find out. Are the Saudis working with the Republicans? Are the Saudis... S-A-S-A-U-D-I, working uh, Republicans. Midterm. Midterms. Oh, isn't this funny? Did the did Saudi Arabia just hand the midterms to the GOP? <laughs> That's exactly what I've just been saying. I, I, I mean, this this is great. Let's take a look. Uh, this is from Intelligencer, opinion by Jonah Shep. And who's Jonah Shep? I don't know who Jonah Shep is, but Jonah Shep must be brilliant. We have the same thoughts. Jonah Shep says, earlier this month, the world's largest oil producing countries agreed to significant cuts in production as a means of keeping oil prices high as the global economy faces a potential recession in the coming year. Well, we already have one. And remember, a recession is not what happens after two quarters of negative growth. A recession is what you is what you call it after you've already had two quarters of negative growth. So the recession started six months ago, at least. What was the first quarter? January, February, March, third quarter, April, May, June, you know, third quarter, you know, July, August, September. So we're in the, we just now October, November, December. So we're in the fourth quarter. So I think we had three quarters of negative growth because I think this thing started back in January. All right. Okay. The group known as OPEC Plus, I'm not sure the plus is, so the LGBTQ ABC. <laughs> anyway, the group known as OPEC Plus, which includes both the OPEC countries, oh, here we go, and several other petroleum producers, not formally in the global oil cartel, said they would cut production quotas by 2 million barrels per day starting in November. Oh, great timing. <laughs> so this is like right before the midterm. This is funny. The decision led by top oil exporter Saudi Arabia, who we've been talking about, along with other Gulf countries, was also seen as a slap in the face to President Joe Biden, which is a term I never use because it's not true. That's me talking. Whose administration has been frantically, they said, frantically lobbying the Saudis and other Gulf allies to maintain or increase output and allow prices to continue to fall. Well, they're only falling because they're artificially rigging the market with their strategic petroleum reserve. So there's a the question for you. So, so I asked the same thing I asked before. It, do Amer- do, do the, does the American left, do the leftists hate oil? Do they hate American oil? And the answer is they hate American oil because they're, they're perfectly willing to go to Saudi Arabia and say, please produce oil so we don't have to. Then it says the OPEC move doesn't mean production totals will fall by 2 million barrels exactly as many countries were already not meeting their quotas. Well, that's interesting. But is expected to reduce global daily output by about 2% and put upward pressure on already high fuel prices in the U.S., 
forcing drivers to pay an additional 15 to 30 cents a gallon for gasoline. That's on the short term. It's going to go up way, way, way beyond that. Now, Florida, we have a little bit of a, a reprieve because we have 25 cent uh, gasoline taxes not being charged in the month of October. But it'll be back in November. So, you know, what, uh, 12 days, almost two weeks, it'll be back. All right. The decision will also have an impact on Europe, which is already facing high energy costs due to the cutoff of Russian gas exports, uh, of course, and then the pipeline, which I think we destroyed. The Internal Energy Agency warned that higher oil prices could be the tipping point for a global economy already on the brink of recession, which we're already in. Brandon had hoped, that's my word, (laughs) for cooperation from Riyadh, capital of Saudi Arabia, to help starve Russian President Vladimir Putin's war machine, which is largely funded by hydrocarbon sales. That would be oil, <laughs> natural gas, right? And further hinder his invasion of Ukraine. Uh, da, da, da. Okay, fine. Oh, this, oh, here we go. This is good. The, um, what's, oh, I should read more of it because it actually is pretty good here. Uh, invasion of Ukraine. Da, 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 da. Russia's deputy prime minister, who is under U.S. sanctions, was present at the OPEC meeting in Vienna. Well, that's interesting. Well, Russia's part of OPEC. Okay. And, of course, Brandon, <laughs> my word, wanted gas prices to be going down, not up in the lead-up to November's midterm elections. So he wants prices down, but he's not willing to do it. Well, the way the prices come down is very simple. You go back to the Trump policies. You know, you open places up for exploration. You know, you open the pipelines. You open the, you build the Keystone. You know, you uh, get rid of the stupid regulations and uh, have leases on, on oil land that actually has oil under it. <clears throat> and there you go. So it says, the insult to Brandon, me, <laughs> came just after a few months came just a few months after the president visited Saudi Arabia and exchanged an infamous fist bump with Crown Prince and newly appointed Prime Minister, oh, here we go, Mohammed bin Salam. Uh, that gesture of friendship with, with a brutal tyrant was readily interpreted as a nasty bit of real politic, with Biden bowing to the fact uh, that he needed Saudi Arabia to keep the oil flowing, to keep both inflation and Russia in check. Wasn't it Obama who actually did bow, <laughs> bow before the Saudi um, chief, which is we, we don't bow. We're Americans. We don't bow. He did. <laughs> it says on that visit, Biden secured an understanding from Saudi Arabia and his junior partner, the United Arab Emirates, that's the UAE, uh, to increase production by a total of 1.5, 1.25 million barrels per day. They did ramp up production during the summer when oil was over $120 a barrel, but, barrel, but backed off as prices began to fall again. This month's decision to sharply curtail oil production should not have been terribly surprising, considering that Saudi Arabia and the UAE in particular depend on oil revenues to fund their welfare states and economic development projects, as well as to, as well as to enrich their rulers. <laughs> yeah, that's the real point. A global recession could put a deep dent in demand for oil, and if the petrol states continue to produce at their current levels, they might next year find themselves in a downward price spiral that would threaten their economic stability. There we go. So we'll find that some more stuff going on. Now, I just pulled that article up. I mean, it, 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 so obviously we don't have the only thought. Uh, MBS election interference, how Saudi Arabia is trying to help mega. <laughs> they hate, when I hear the word mega, I know, I know they hate us. Okay. Here's alternate. Not sure what this is. MBS election interference, how Saudi Arabia is trying to help mega Republicans in the midterms. The United States gas prices were decreasing during the summer months. Yeah, artificially, much the relief of the Biden administration. But with the 2022 midterms less than a month away, Biden officials and Democratic strategists are not happy to see gas prices increasing once again. Yada, yada, yada. Goes on. So you get the idea. All right. So basically, I was right. Let's get another article. This one is. OK. This is the one I find interesting. 
This is Publius, Publius National Post. Publius is A.J. Rice, friend of the show, who says, how has Joe Biden triggered the end of the U.S.-Saudi partnership? Subheading, the oil weapon is back. This is October 19th by Ivan Eland, E-L-A-N-D, in the Publius National, or Publius National Post. Just weeks before the U.S. midterm elections in an, o- an attempt to hike oil prices, Saudi Arabia and Russia and leaders of the OPEC plus energy cartel agreed to their first big production cut in two years. This move was widely perceived as a salvo against the Biden administration, hence the title of the show today. So it didn't, this idea didn't necessarily originate with me. I mean, I think we all kind of collectively thought of it. But yeah, yeah I was warning about it. And of course, you know, this is how, this is how I do things. So I ask a question to myself and I wonder about it. And then I find if other people are wondering the same thing, and then I look for confirming sources. So that's how it works. Anyway, the article says, by agreeing to slash production quotas, Saudi Arabia also helped Russia, which will benefit from any increase in prices to counter oil sanctions imposed by the United States and Europe for its invasion of Ukraine. Prince Abdulaziz, Abdulaziz bin Salman, the Saudi energy minister, claimed the cartel's action was merely a preemptive action against a possible slowdown in world economic activity that would likely decrease the demand for oil and cause prices to decline. Okay, so let me see if I can put this in economic terms. Um, The prices, um, the way this works is that uh, uh, demand, you know, you got supply and demand. Let me see if I can try and puzzle this out for you here. So the world needs oil. The world needs a whole lot of oil. And, you know, either it has a big supply, in which case the price is lower, or they cut back on the supply, in which case the price is higher. And so that's always the game. Now, the way the game used to be played was that if the Saudis and the OPEC nations raised the prices, we would produce more oil here at a lower price, and they'd lose business. If they lowered the price below our price, you know, they produce more oil. We'd buy oil from them, but our oil companies would lose business, and they wouldn't be as productive. But we still have more oil in the ground. So it's a, it's a fascinating thing. It's a very fluid market. Oil is oil. Now, our oil is better because it's cleaner, but for the most part, oil is oil. Gasoline is gasoline. Coal is coal. Uranium is uranium. It's all how efficient you can, you can use them, but uh, they're basically similar stuff worldwide. And so the, the, the markets, the fluctuations, the prices, you know, the supplies and demands, those are all artificial manipulations of the market. That's what makes it all quite so interesting. So Prince Abdulaziz. Abdulaziz, Abdulaziz bin Salman, the Saudi energy minister, claimed the cartel's action was merely a preemptive action. Okay, we got that. Of course, increasing oil prices might help trigger a global economic downturn or make one worse, thus ultimately also causing a dip in oil prices. Well, how would this happen? In a free market, it wouldn't happen because there wouldn't be no, uh, no break in the supply chain because other countries would simply supply more energy. The countries that have it would put it on the market. That used to be us. So the market was stable all the time Trump was in it. It was stable for many years because the United States could produce enough oil for us and for the world market to a certain extent to keep the Saudis and OPEC in check. So if, um, you know, if they raise their price or cut back on supply, we could increase, we could increase our supply and lower our price. If, um, if that didn't work, you know, there's all kinds of other things, but the price got too low at some point and everybody was having trouble producing. Anyway. Okay, let me see. Cartel's action throws an egg on the president Joe Biden's face. Oh, here we go. This is a new paragraph. The cartel's action throws egg on the president on President Joe Biden's face. Given that just last summer he coddled Saudi leader Mohammed bin Salman MBS. Oh, that's who MBS is, right? Despite this horrendous human rights record to job one oil prices down, Biden's efforts then and more recently to stop the oil cartel's two percent global production cut have obviously failed. So yeah, he's a failure. 
total and complete failure. This guy's just, he can't do anything right because and he's always been wrong. He's always been wrong. Now, this is where it gets a little bit interesting here. It says, since the administration of Franklin D. Roosevelt, the United States has crafted an implicit bargain with the Saudis that they would provide oil in exchange for U.S. defense of their oil fields. However, this bargain has never been necessary to safeguard American interests. The Saudis have always had an overriding economic interest in selling oil into the world market. In fact, they are more dependent on selling oil than the West is dependent on buying it. That's really interesting. In other words, Saudi Arabia and other Middle Eastern oil producers have very little going for them economically, except their significant revenues from oil exports. Exports. That's why I said the Saudi prince is trying to change the economy over to a manufacturing productive economy, not just one based on oil. And it says, and if a country or group conquered the Saudi oil fields, say an unlikely invasion by Saddam Hussein's Iraq in 1990, the conqueror's overwhelming interest would also be to sell Saudi oil, oil in the global market. So either way, the Saudis win, right? Has it ever been in the American interest to defend Saudi oil fields or sell them lots of weapons to pretend to do it themselves, especially after 15 of 19 9-11 hijackers were Saudi? They were Saudi citizens and, and a whiff of the Saudi government complicity in the entire sordid and horrific terrorist incident existed. Right? In addition, U.S. intelligence alerted, alleged excuse me, that MBS himself uh, ordered the brutal murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi in Turkey in 2018. Finally, the Saudi general human rights record, human rights record, especially toward their own female population, is universally recognized as abysmal. Yeah, I remember when I was tour guiding, and I would have uh, uh, women from Saudi Arabia, and they they come to the United States and they could drive, they could dress how they wanted. <laughs> they had a really good time here. It was really kind of funny. Anyway. Uh, let me put this aside. So I think we pretty much covered that. So it looks from a variety of sources that Brandon pissed off the Saudis, that, they're not, that they don't like what he's doing, that uh, it was much better under Trump with the Abraham Accords and the relations we had. And so the, the Saudis have basically handed, uh, as I confirmed with other sources, are handing the, uh, the victory in the midterms to the Republicans. Now, the question, of course, is what are they going to do with it? That's the big question. I don't know. And that's for another show. But we'll keep analyzing. We'll keep going. They obviously have given up any pretense of, of getting a two-thirds majority. So as far as they're concerned, and I think that, that seems to make sense. It doesn't seem like they're going to be able to do that, to be able to get a two, even if they wanted a two-thirds majority at this point. Nah. But then again, you never know. You know, I mean, it's always better to shoot for it than, than and, and say, oh, we tried, than to not try for it at all. So we'll, so we'll see. So uh, keep watching. Keep seeing what's happening. But it looks like the, the Republicans are in pretty good shape. All right, let me get to this, this interview here. I don't think I played this one. For, I think I don't think I played this one. So Megan Barth, this is an interview from WEBY. This is my previous station, first station to give me a full-time job. This was March 15th of 2017. Now, what's interesting about that was that I'd only been on the air two weeks at that point. <laughs> so you're getting early Greg, you know, really early Greg. So WEBY was 1330 a.m., Northwest Florida's news and talk leader. It was the independent station that I first got a job with when I moved out here from California. Uh, and this was March 1st of 2017. I started, so March 15th of 2017, <laughs> like two weeks later. Um, exactly two weeks later. Oh, I got a call. So let's, uh, before I start playing my Megan Barth interview, let's check in with Pianchi and see what uh, he thinks so far. So do you, do you agree with the consensus that uh, the Saudis have basically handed the midterm to the Republicans? Good morning, sir. Well, yeah, you can look at it like that. But like you say, when the when the, the Republicans, when the 
gullibles get the power, what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. It's like a flip of a coin. Well, we don't know. They never advocated for the two-thirds majority, like we talked about yesterday. Um, they don't uh, – basically, Brandon's handed them the worst economy in decades, and they're not capitalizing it as much as they could. They've mentioned nothing about reversing a single Brandon policy. They just keep talking about – That's right. You know, you know, I mean, I, there's nothing they specifically said. So, the, again, the commitment with America – you know, is like the one they stand, you know, bribe, <laughs> as opposed to the contract with America that Newt Gingrich had, which is like the marriage proposal. You know, it's an absolute contract. Can we have, can, can they put forth a codification of the Second Amendment in all aspects of it, from ammunition, the guns, the bump stuff? They should codify the Second Amendment. They should codify the protection of the border. They should codify uh, that the, uh, on terrorists, they should codify on barring. Why come they not speaking well, you know, in that time? Well, then you raised some interesting points. I don't want to codify the Second Amendment because it already was done with the Second. It's already in the Constitution, so you don't you don't have to codify the right to keep and bear arms. That's already there, and that would be stronger than a law anyway. So even if you pass a law, even if you, that's why no gun control is constitutional, because it is subordinate to the Second Amendment, which says we have the absolute right to to. It doesn't say absolute. I'm just, but all rights are absolute by definition. Otherwise, they're not rights. So our right to keep and bear arms cannot be touched by government. Well, that's pretty absolute. So you don't want to codify that, but what you could do, what you could do is say that uh, in, in statutory law, you could say that any infringement on the Second Amendment carries a jail term. That you could do. Yeah. Okay? Absolutely. So that's Good how idea. you do it, because, because there's no punishment for the Second Amendment. Well, and actually, in a way, it, has been, it already has been done. Title 18, Section 241. Conspiracy against rights. Are you familiar? Not in particular, but let me pull it up for you. I I shall. (laughs) Let let me continue. (laughs) Uh, So let me just go. Title eighteen. T I T L A eighteen. Section two one. Let's let's go. Let's get it from Cornell. Favorite source: Cornell, the Legal uh, Legal Information Institute, the LII. Cornell, I, I, I left the letter. So you want a good source for law, the best place to go is Cornell Information Institute, Legal Information Institute. Title 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. If two or more persons, that could be Congress or an administration or the, B, or the, the, the BATF or the FBI or anybody, it makes no distinction government or private. It says if two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person, and that would be gun control. In any state, territory, commonwealth, possession, or district, that would be D.C., District of Columbia, in the, here are the keywords, in the free exercise or enjoyment. They actually say free exercise or enjoyment. So not only do you have the right to keep and bear arms, you have the right to enjoy them. I think it's fascinating. Right? I've never seen this language before anywhere else. So any, in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him, which would imply by her too, by the Constitution or laws of the United States, or because of, you know, and then it says, then it goes into details, or because of his having so exercised the same, or, and here's where it gets interesting, this is actually a Matthew Shepard law. Remember Matthew Shepard, who was the, the drug dealer who was killed yeah. because he was gay? Okay. 
I'm not sure the whole story. I think that's kind of the, the nutshell. Then it says, if two or more persons go in disguise on the highway or on the premises of another with intent to prevent or hinder his free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege so secured. So that's the Matthew Shepard clause. But it doesn't matter what the origin is. What it matters is what the law says. And the law says very clearly in the first clause, if two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, position, or district in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution or laws of the United States, then it says they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. And if death results from the acts committed in violation of the section, or if such acts include kidnapping or attempt to bribery, you know, that goes back to Matthew Shepard again. But what if? What if the restrictions, what if gun control results in the death of somebody who wanted to exercise their Second Amendment rights because they were being stalked, victimized, threatened, extorted, carjacked, or whatever, and because they couldn't get a gun because of gun control, a death results, which means they were not allowing the free exercise or enjoyment of their right or privilege, you know, and they can be fined some massive amount and thrown in jail for 10 years. So that would mean any politician who passed gun control, who was responsible for the exercise or enjoyment being oppressed, threatened, intimidated, or removed would be guilty of violating Title 18, Section 241 and could be subject to a huge fine and up to 10 years in jail. It's right here in the federal code. So what you're saying has already been done. But it applies across all constitutional rights, not just the Second Amendment. So I would, leave this, I would enforce this one. Good so point. Lori Lightfoot? So you put Lori Lightfoot in jail for, for up to 10 years for her gun control laws that got Chicago people killed. In fact, you could actually do it per count. So every time, every, ever since her first gun control bill that oppressed or, in, or intimidated or threatened or, or injured or conspired to do anything on the free exercise or enjoyment of the Second Amendment is punishable by a huge fine and 10 years in jail. What was your next point? Let's go after <laughs> I think we got that one solved. <clears throat> so what else did you want to do? You had an interesting Let's listener. go after Okay. I mean, it can be done, but who's going to do it? See, this is where a justice department, this is where the, the, the if we had a, actually had a, a fair justice department, say Sidney Powell, General Flynn, uh, Rudy Giuliani. Well, let's, let's pick Rudy. So, so if Rudy Giuliani were the uh, attorney general, he could bring charges against every governor and every state legislator, state legislator, and probably every member of Congress who voted for gun control. And if they have immunity from that because they're legislators, he could go after the police chiefs and the enforcing people. So if somebody arrests you, if a police officer arrests you, right, on a gun control law, which of course is unconstitutional, and something happens to you, they're guilty of violating federal law, Title uh, 18 U.S. Code 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. Right? Let me give you one better. You're right. Let me give you 242. So let's change to 242 because 242 goes with 241. Needless to say, I've looked this up many times. 18 U.S. Code 242, deprivation of rights under color of law. That means by law enforcement. The very next section of law, whoever under color of law, that would be any law enforcement officer from the FBI, you know, uh, the Department of Justice, all the way down to your local police, you know, sheriffs, county police, city police, state police, all those folks, BATF, you know, FBI, whoever under color of any law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom willfully subjects any person in any state 
territory, commonwealth, possession, or district, that would be the District of Columbia, to the deprivation of any rights, privileges, or immunities, that would be the 14th Amendment, right, secured or protected by the Constitution or laws of the United States, or to different punishments, pains, or penalties on account of such person being an alien, I'm not sure what that means, or by reason of his color or race, can we know what that means, then are prescribed for the punishment of citizens shall be, here we go, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. So if you're a citizen and you violate somebody's rights, you can get 10 years. If you're law enforcement, you only get one year. That's discrimination in itself. <laughs> That's against our privileges and immunities or equal protection. Anyway, so it's a specific law. Oh, here we go. And if bodily injury results from the acts committed in violation of the section or such acts include the use, attempted use, or threatened use of a dangerous weapon, explosives, or fire, that would be the police sidearm, I imagine, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years, or both. So there you go. And if death results from the acts committed in violation of the section, that would be by law enforcement, or if such acts include kidnapping or da 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 that's Matthew Shepard again, uh, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for any term of years of life or maybe sentenced to death. Okay, so if law enforcement deprives somebody of rights and it res- results in a death, they can be fined. They can be fined indefinitely. And if the crime is bad enough, uh, they can be put to death for it. It's right there, US, 18 U.S. Code 242. Have you ever heard of this? Did you know this section of law existed? Jackie? I never have read uh, Section 42 to those specific, no. Okay. Most people don't. Most people haven't. Now, those of us you know, deeply engaged in, in, our, in the civil rights laws, we know this one. <laughs> I've known it for 20 years, you know, and, I've, I know, and I haven't changed it. It's still there. But the thing is, nobody's ever used it. So this is where we need a really sharp attorney general like Rudy Giuliani, Mike Flynn, Sidney Powell. Uh, who else would be good? Who, who are some of the top lawyers in the country? Greg Jarrett wouldn't be bad from uh, Fox News. He's a, he's a TV lawyer, but he's a very good one. Uh, how about the guy from Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton, Fitton, F-I-T-T-O-N. He'd be interesting as attorney general. He certainly opened up the government. <laughs> anyway, but these laws exist. So the things you want already exist, but they're not being used, which is almost like they don't exist. What else you got for me? What is it for right now? Okay. I'm only playing an interview then. Because um, I don't want to talk for the next hour. I've already, <laughs> I've already said everything I want to say. I'm really good for an hour, and that's about it. Uh, and then I'd like to hear from everybody else. So Megan Barth. Megan Barth is – actually, Pianchi, you're going to really enjoy this, this interview. Uh, Megan Barth is the one that first alerted all of us to the ITIN number and how illegal aliens use it to get all the benefits and pretend to act like citizens when they're really not. And uh, how the IRS takes money from illegal aliens, which they're not entitled to, because you cannot tax illegal aliens. That's, Ill- that's unconstitutional. They're not here. They're not legally here. They have no status in this country. They can, re- they can receive no benefits from government, so therefore they cannot be taxed. No one ever says that either. You notice that no one ever says you can't tax illegal aliens? People say, well, they're here. They might as well pay. No, they're not allowed to be here. They can't pay. Paying taxes is, is something that a citizen does for the necessary expenditures of government for the citizens. And that includes lawful permanent residents and immigrants, too. Anyway, you want to hear that interview? I'm going to play it anyway. <laughs> hey, did I tell you it's my birthday today? You know, it's a good point. 
There's a gun pointer on the taxing of illegal aliens. If you could tax the illegal aliens, uh, illegals, why not tax them while they're in their own country? Why not? Why wait till they get here? Basically. Oh, that's an interesting thought, like a pre-tax. Or why can't we tax them for money that they earned here? Well, actually, just confiscate it. Yeah, it'd be interesting. You could put a tax on illegal aliens for money they illegally earned here. Now, it wouldn't be a tax. That's because we tax people, you know, lawful citizens just for earning money. So that, that wouldn't be a good idea. And then we have to think through. But no, I think, I think civil asset forfeiture is the way to go with illegals. Now, here's the thing, too. And this is something I'm talking to Peter Navarro about at some point when he comes back, is that we can um, use the ITIN number to identify most of the illegal aliens because that's the number they usually have. And they, but they, they used it to try and buy their way into this country. So they said, well, look, I'm paying taxes. I'm part of this country. No, you're not. And no, the IRS shouldn't have taken taxes. I'm going to look up the origins of the ITIN number. ITIN number. That'll be for a future show. We'll note to myself here. Anyway, I think you'll find this interesting. Also, I don't know if I've forgotten whether my friend Katie Grimes is on this interview or not. Katie's an investigative reporter out of California. I had her on the show early on, um, but then I uh, haven't had her on for a while. She got really busy and is doing a bunch of stuff. So let's get Megan Barth. Um, and she does a thing called Reagan Babe. That's her website, ReaganBabe.com or something like that. Investigative reporter, uh, very interesting person, and did a huge expose on the ITIN number and illegal aliens. Now, once again, this is WEBY, a station that no longer exists. The phone number is the wrong one for us. Our number here is 215-383-3832. And any news, breaks, ads, bits and pieces of things you hear relating to the station, WEBY, uh, that's because that's what's on the recording, and I really couldn't edit it out without making a mess of it. But other than that, let's get going. And it's about uh, 42 minutes, so this will take us pretty much to the end of the show. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Time for the Action Radio Hour. This is Greg Penglos. It is 8.06 in the morning, and I have a very special guest. And this is someone I've wanted to talk to for quite a while. So let's introduce our guest. She's the founder and proprietor of ReaganBabe.com and a nationally recognized political commentator. She has a weekly, she's a weekly co-host for WAR, the Wayne Allen Root Show of Las Vegas. And she has appeared on Headline News, CNN, Newsmax TV, One America Radio News Network, The Tipping Point with Liz Wheeler, America Trends with Dr. Gina, The Blaze Radio, Lars Larson, Bill Cunningham, and has regular weekly appearances on a variety of nationally syndicated radio shows. And her op-eds have been published in Canada Free Press, The Hill, and The Daily Caller, Megan Barth. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Megan. Thank you so much for coming on my show. How are you this morning? Did I get you up early? Uh, of course, yes, yeah. but it's okay. I'm usually up this hour because radio is always drive time on East Coast. Pretty early for me. I'm in Vegas, so no problem. Okay, good. We uh, I started off wanting you on the show because of the article you wrote recently on the in, uh, individual tax identification number, the massive tax loophole allowing illegal aliens to defraud American citizens of literally billions of dollars. But when we talked yesterday, you set the stage so well for how the left is destroying this country that I wanted to go a little bit into that and kind of set that up so that people will understand what's happening once we get to the article. So you talked about the Cloward-Piven plan. And so I looked at that up, and I found an article in WorldNet Daily by Jerome Corsi, 
who said this about the plan. In the 1960s, Professor Andrew Cloward and Francis Fox Piven of Columbia University, Obama's alma mater, devised a plan to provoke chaos by deliberately overwhelming government systems and the U.S. economy to the point of collapse, paving the way for state intervention that would ultimately replace America's free enterprise republic with a collectivist system. That sound about right? That's exactly right. Yeah, Jerome's right. Yeah. Can you tell the folks kind of an outline of how we got here, what this means, and, and various issues, and then we'll get into your article. Sure. Well, are we surprised that two communists came from Colombia? No, we, we should not be surprised that they, Flowered uh, and Piven, came from Colombia. But, but uh, uh, you know, nothing, I guess, bothers me more when I hear, especially those on the right, talking about Democrats and confidence or that they don't know what they're doing, or Barack Obama is uh, ignorant or doesn't understand something. No, they completely understand what they're doing. Uh, they're not stupid. They're not un- incompetent. Uh, the Democrats don't like uh, the following. They do not like law and order, and that's why we see them fomenting chaos, either through the, uh, paying protesters, getting behind radical uh, leftist groups like Black Lives Matter, who infiltrated the police and how police train their force, um, or by uh, economics, right? So the, the whole goal of the left is to overthrow the free market capitalist system, and thereby, once you do that, you've created a whole dependency class that has outweighed uh, the production of the producers. So those in the wagon are far greater than those pulling the wagon. And when you get more people in the wagon, then you have to have bigger government. And so big government is one of the favorite things of the Democrats. As they grow government, the dependency grows, and that's exactly what they want. Um, The free market is the enemy of the Democrats. We aren't dealing with the party of JFK any longer. We are dealing with a party that more identifies with Marx. And Cloward and Karl Marx. Cloward Piven is um, illustrates their economic chaos, uh, whereby their goal is to overthrow the free market system by creating more and more dependency on that system, uh, on the government system. Wow. And this is what I found so fascinating. In fact, I had a couple of stories today uh, that sort of relate to this whole chaos uh, theory that's going on. One uh, is how Bill Clinton paved the way for a nuclear North Korea, and then it related that to how Obama is paving the way for a nuclear Iran. So do you Mm -hmm. see a connection there? Do you see that this is all part of the the chaos plan to weaken us and strengthen our enemies? Well, well, sure, that's definitely uh, part of it. I mean, when you look at the Democrats even far back as Ted Kennedy, uh, they were always aligning themselves with the communists or with the enemies of freedom. You see now this collusion between um, Islam and the left, and they have much in common as far as totalitarianism. Hmm. Uh, so when you look at how the Democrats have aligned themselves from a foreign policy standpoint or an economic standpoint, it goes against the individual freedom as well as the tenets of our country is how we were founded. Uh, Barack Obama demonstrated this on the on the global stage uh, in his apology tour. When he took off right after 2008 and started touring the world as our commander-in-chief, he was apologizing uh, for our imperialism. 
you see this in his economic policies, whereby he chastises America for being an institutionally racist country. Yes, yeah, like and people so, are doing everything wrong, and people get tired of hearing that they're doing everything wrong, or that they don't like people who look like, who don't look like them. And every time you criticize Obama, you know you're, you're labeled a racist, and it's just, it's just people just got tired of that because there was nothing true to it at all. But that was the line they were giving over and over and over. Yes, but um, Barack Obama and the Democrats succeeded, yeah. didn't they? They succeeded in uh, having a 1.3 percent GDP, the lowest on historical record for any seated president. Yep. Uh, they succeeded in uh, creating a division in this country for a man who won the Nobel Peace Prize uh, just a few weeks into his first term. Barack Obama has created more division as far as race and gender, uh, religion, et cetera, in this country. Um, he has, uh, he overthrew, uh, and, you know, he was commander-in-chief. So, so with that carries a great responsibility on our standing in the world and how we deal with enemies abroad. Well, one of the very first things they did uh, is they uh, didn't meddle in the Iranian elections, yet they meddled in the Israeli elections. Oh, they had a fundraiser. They had a whole program. They were actually actively campaigning against Netanyahu, if I remember. Correct. And so what, when, and what I mean is they didn't meddle in the Iranian elections, well... Uh, Ahmadinejad was trying to be overthrown by a green Western movement, mm -hmm. a very pro-American Western movement, whereby a woman who was executed in broad daylight on the street by the Iranian police, her name was Nada, and we didn't do anything about it. Instead, we stood by and watched another tyrant take over his country through false elections. So we didn't meddle in that one, but we wanted to meddle in Israel. Uh, then we watched the overthrow of uh, Mubarak in Egypt, and we watched the with, without any congressional approval. One of the, Israel's uh, strongest allies, as well as ours. Then we watched the overthrow of Muammar um, Gaddafi, and the now granted Gaddafi wasn't a saint, but he was impotent. He wasn't doing anything. He didn't have any weapons. He was basically stoned on opium, sleeping in a tent with prostitutes. I mean, the guy was impotent. But yet, by the overthrow of Egypt and Libya, this created a huge jihadi recruiting horn in northern Africa. And so you look at the foreign policy, and you have to scratch your head and, and say, what is he doing? Well, he's doing exactly what the Democrats do, and that's sowing the seeds of chaos by limiting or at least um, reducing the amount of power and the footprint that the United States has in the world. And this comes from Barack Obama's apology tour, by where we need to shrink from the national stage. And once we shrink from the national stage, thereby you see terror grow, because someone's going to fill that vacuum. Yeah, powerful, if it's not but... liberty and freedom, yeah. then it's going to be, you know, Iran, or it's going to be Russia, or it's going to be North Korea, or, it's, you know, it's going to be our enemies. Power from without and power from within corrupting. So... If we bring that to the illegal alien problem, you know, our foreign policy is, is a disaster, and that's going to change, um, and our domestic policy by letting in illegal aliens. And I was also reporting earlier 
on the sanctuary restaurant movement, how not only is sanctuary cities going on, but in San Francisco they're actually teaching restaurants how to keep their illegal aliens and, and doing these you know, legal rights conferences and things like that. But let's get on to your article. Uh, it talks about the, uh, the individual tax identification number, and illegal aliens are being funded in a way that I wasn't even aware of at all. So let's start with what that number is and how it came about, and then we'll get into more details. Sure. Um, oftentimes you will see left pundits like Jorge Ramos uh, and the others on the left say that illegal aliens contribute. They pay taxes. Uh, and so that they say they contribute more to the economy than they take out. Well, that's a complete lie. It is a complete lie. And we found this lie. Um, I, have an, uh, I have an investigative reporter by the name of Katie Grimes who, who contributes to ReaganBabe.com, but I also have a fraud investigator with over 40 years' experience who babe.com. And what uh, my fraud investigator had found after they had received no increase in their Social Security um, cost of living increase, zero increase, none of our seniors got a cost of living increase, uh, she went on a little mission to find out where all the money was going. Well, she stumbled upon a program called ITIN. And ITIN is an individual tax identification number specifically given to undocumented workers, otherwise known as illegal aliens. That's what I call them. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm blatant about it. I don't make any bones about language here. Well, correct. They're illegals, they're aliens, and that's still in the law, so we can use it. Um, and I will continue to use it. Uh, so illegal aliens are given an ITIN number because they do not have a Social Security number. This ITIN number was created by the IRS and the Clinton administration in 1996 in order to capture lost federal tax revenue. So every illegal uh, undocumented worker or illegal alien is given an ITIN number so they can work and pay taxes. Well, that now, makes no sense to me. Hang on, hang on a second, Megan. This is crazy mm -hmm. because the, the the federal government is specifically giving a number to illegal aliens because they can't give them a social security number. I'm sure they would if they could. And we didn't, we haven't even talked about social security fraud. And so this was done on purpose to collect the money from people they know shouldn't be here in the country illegally um, or in the country illegally. This to me is harboring fugitives. But this was a willful plan. So so why why did they do this? In order to capture. Uh, an untapped source of new federal tax re revenue. Even though they're criminals? Correct. This staggers me. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, but you have to understand what the left has done with illegal activity and lawlessness is they've normalized it and mainstreamed it. They've okay. done it through this tax program. They've done it through calling them dreamers. They've called it, you know, PACA. Uh, and so what they're trying to do is normalize and mainstream illegal activity, and part of this is illegal immigration and illegal aliens. Right. So, so according to the National Immigration Law Center, the most recent information, which is August 2012, we have 21 million ITINs assigned to taxpayers and their dependents by the IRS. Well, wait a minute. So if we have 21 million uh, ITINs, or individual tax identification numbers, and we know that these are given to illegal aliens, so mm -hmm. this 11 million figure is totally bogus then. We've been, we've been saying 11 million for 30 years. Yeah, which is crazy because you right. know, it might have been 30 years ago, but there's no way that's right. now. And this is just the numbers. This is just from the people that have identification numbers. What about the illegal aliens that don't have identification numbers? Is any any forecast on that from your sources? 
No, you know, that, that's kind of hard because those are the folks that are living in the shadows or those that have uh, stolen Social Security numbers and committed identity theft. Like half of um, the uh, assemblymen, I think it's Avila in California, or oh, Leon, yeah. I think it was Leon. Leon had came, came out and said, well, half of his family get their Social Security numbers from going to MacArthur Park, which means that half of his family have stolen Social Security numbers. And, of course, half his family's been arrested and deported, right? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, hold on for a second. We've got to take a break. Uh, I want to come back and talk about uh, some of these staggering statistics, the 21 million uh, and, and the, the iTunes assigned to illegal dependents in Mexico and Canada and how they don't have to even identify who they are and this, this whole mess in your article that you've done so well. This is Greg Penglis with my special guest, Megan Barth. It's 8.20 in the morning, 13.30 WEBY, and we'll be right back. We have the great and all-powerful Mike Bates, uh, general manager of the station here at WEBY, in the production booth. So he's uh, picking the bumper music for today. Uh, I'm on with Megan Barth, and uh, it's 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida's talk radio, 1330WEBY.com. And, you, Megan, you were talking about Jorge Ramos, um, how he says that uh, illegal aliens contribute. And I don't care. I don't care what they contribute. They shouldn't be here. So I got my little analogy I want to run by you, and I put this in an article on Canada Free Press uh, a while back, uh, of two bank robbers. Uh, they each rob a bank on the same day, and they get a million dollars. One bank robber spends recklessly and is caught and put in jail for 20 years. The other bank robber gets away with it, spends wisely, frugally, starts a business, starts a family, has kids in school, is a member of the community, does all these wonderful things for charity, and is looked upon as a pillar of society, and 20 years later... You know, his family, the kids are grown, he's doing well and things like that. But he's finally discovered as the bank robber. So the other bank robber who was caught immediately in his 20 years, he gets out. So the question is, who's the better person? The bank robber that got caught or the bank robber that became rich and, uh, and you know, did very well for himself and had the family and the whole bit? And, and I use this as the analogy to an illegal alien that comes here, starts a family, contributes, gets all kinds of tax money, does what they want, but they're still illegal aliens. So if you substitute bank robber for illegal alien, you, know, you can pretty much see what's going on. But do you see any virtue in someone coming here, abusing our system, and even though they've had this wonderful family and done all these great things, you know, does that make them virtuous enough to not have to pay for their crime of being an illegal alien? Well, yeah, and this is, we've, we've defied federal law as, as far as, um, and even in past administrations, where we have not upheld uh, federal immigration laws, and if we had upheld federal immigration laws, we wouldn't have such a problem um, with, uh, you know, illegal aliens residing uh, and working and bilking the system off of billions of dollars. This ITIN program is a very good example of that. So we know we have 21 million ITINs as of 2012, but here's where it gets uh, disgusting, quite frankly. Um, over when when you have an ITIN number number, you can claim under that ITIN number up to twenty dependents. Now, according to the IRS, dependents do not have to be blood related. Uh, they can be uncles, or excuse me, they can be cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, uh, nieces, nephews, whomever you claim as your dependent. But according to the IRS, there is a special exemption 
for dependents who are claimed in who reside in Mexico or Canada. Those dependents who are claimed under ICIN numbers do not have to prove they exist. There is no identification required. They do not have to be a U.S. citizen. They don't have to have an ITIN number. They don't have to have a Social Security number. They don't have to reside in the U.S. Yeah, that was my they question. Do, do these people even have to be in the United States to get the benefits? No, they do not have to prove they exist. Unbelievable. So, so tw- you're talking 20? 20. 20 dependents per ITIN number. Has there been any? So what, I'm sorry, go ahead. What we have found is over nine years and up to 2010, so this is nearly a decade ago, the IRS paid over $14.2 billion tax dollars in refunds to illegal aliens who claimed these dependents through refunds. So once they claim a dependent, they can take advantage of our tax system through all of the child care tax credits, uh, the exemptions, um, the earned income tax credit, the additional tra- uh, child, uh, tax cre- child tax credit. So you can get up to $1,000 for each qualifying dependent. So in essence, if you have an ITIN number, you can get refunds for your dependents of up to $20,000. So that's 20000 per 20 dependents. So that, that's a lot of money. <laughs> it's twenty thousand dollars per ITIN holder. They can get in refunds for twenty dependents. A thousand per dependent. Okay, I see. Now, if you if you have an ITIN number, Barack Obama through the two thousand nine stimulus made it much easier for you to get refunds. How? Because uh, you only have to make, according to Barack Obama, three thousand dollars a year to claim twenty dependents. Whereby before he made a change. Uh, it was $12,500 per year. So by reducing the amount of income an ITIN holder needs to uh, have in order to claim 20 dependents, he slashed it by about 80% to only $3,000 a year. So an ITIN holder only needs to make $3,000 a year in order to get $20,000 in refunds. That's insane. You know, what kind of, you know, we've got $20 trillion in debt. You know, is this part of what uh, what racked up our debt? And also, um, did this you know this had to have been planned? And I'm thinking, where were the Republicans when this was going on? I mean, the stimulus package, these so-called jobs shovel ready, the whole thing, which wasn't so shovel ready after all. Um, they you know the, didn't anybody object to this at the time, or what happened? <coughs> I'm sorry. You want to take a break? I got another question for you too. Um, so you can sorry, grab I swallowed my coffee wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. I've I got a bunch more questions for you. In fact, I have more questions for you than I think anybody else I've ever had um, concerning the child. I got confused reading over your article between the child tax credit, the additional child tax credit, the earned income tax credit, which I know is full of fraud, um, and the fact that it's retroactive up to three years. So not only do we have right. child tax credits, we've got all these additional child care credits, uh, tax credits on top of that. Can you kind of tie those all together? Sure. So as, you know, each of us, to make it a little bit simpler, mm-hmm. as we're tax-paying citizens, we, ha- we, t- we pay taxes through our Social Security number. Okay. Now, we can claim some dependents, but the requirements for us are so much more onerous, meaning that they're legal. Okay. So what we have to make sure is, is that we have Social Security numbers for our dependents, 
that our dependents live in the United States, that we have to make so much money in order to take advantage of the tax code through the additional child care tax credit, um, as well as the other tax credits that can come from having dependents. But ITIN holders are not set or do not follow the same rules as legal citizens. Mm. They have special exemptions carved out from them from previous administrations and through the tax code. And that's specific to dependents from Mexico and Canada where they don't have to prove they exist. So Barack Obama set this program on steroids as part of the stimulus by reducing the amount that a legal alien needs to earn in order to take advantage of these refunds. So they're not really refunds. They're, they're like they're like tax welfare, aren't they? Because this is right. money that they never they never pay taxes on the money they earned in the first place. Right. I mean, if you only have to make three thousand dollars a year, but you can get twenty thousand dollars in tax credits back, I certainly would be only working for three thousand dollars a year to get twenty thousand back. Not I mean, a bad it's deal. really not the illegal aliens' fault. They're only following the law, which has been carved out and granted to them by the Barack Obama administration and by the IRS. Huh. I get, so I get, here's how the fraud. Here's let me give you an no, example no, ahead, of yeah. how much fraud is 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 in this uh, system. So in Atlanta, Georgia alone, in one year, the IRS paid forty six million dollars in refunds to a single address that twenty four thousand illegal aliens reported to have lived there. So they used 24,000 illegal aliens that they lived at the same address in Atlanta, and the IRS sent $46 million in refunds to that one address. And if you think it's only in Atlanta, you're wrong, because in Detroit, there were 8,000 illegal aliens at one address. In Indiana, there were 6,000 illegal aliens at one address. I mean, these are some pretty big homes. Well, I'm wondering who's organizing this, because these people could not have gotten together on their own unless there's an illegal alien network or government, you know, doing this as well. Um, I got one quick question, then I want to get to Marshall, uh, who's waiting on hold right now. But my question mm-hmm. is, and I don't know if you looked into this or not, but what percentage of ITN holders have ever been audited by the IRS? I don't have that information. Uh, that would be curious, wouldn't it? Well, have, have uh, they ever been audited, or they have an exemption? Right. Well, how how are you going to audit somebody when you don't even have to prove that their dependents exist? That, I mean, how, what, what? <laughs> that's my point. You know, as we get audited and we have to have documentation, we have to have, you know, if you have, uh, and I'm divorced, so I had, you know, when it came to uh, who got the child uh, tax credit, you know, it was who had the, the most, you know, support. We have to prove those things. But illegal aliens, by virtue of having a basically a fraudulent tax number, uh, the government has allowed them to commit fraud. You know, I, my thought is, I bet they're not auditing any of them. Right. And over, over those nine years, like I said, and up to 2010, we paid $14.2 billion in refunds Scary. For, for, to people who have zero tax liability. I mean, maybe they made 3000 bucks a year. Uh, maybe they made $12,500 a year since Barack Obama changed it in 2009. But just imagine the amount of refunds that we have since paid from 2010 to 2017, specifically because of the reduction in the uh, earned income to $3,000, yep. as well as the open border policies uh, by which Barack Obama and the Democrats 
um, you know, basically advertised and implemented. Wow. So we're going to take a break. We've got Marshall on hold. Marshall, I'm going to take you right after we come back and get to your question. Uh, this is Greg Penglis with my very special guest, Megan Barth of Reagan Babe. It's 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida's talk radio. We'll be right back. Eight thirty-eight in the morning. I'm with uh, Megan Barth, my special guest. This is Greg Penglis. It's thirteen thirty WEBY and thirteen thirty WEBY.com. And let's get Marshall on with his comments and questions. Marshall, go ahead. Oh, good morning, Megan. First of all, excuse me. First of all, Megan, I want to thank you very much for your opening statement about the people that think that the Obama administration and the Democrats are ignorant or making mistakes, that this is absolutely intentional. You're welcome. Thank you for understanding that. (laughs) It it literally makes me nauseous when people think that it's all an accident. But at any rate, uh, I actually have two questions. One is, is the Trump administration aware of your numbers on the income tax since the checks are going out right now? And number two, how do you approach the average Democrat that's dumb enough to think the Democratic Party today is the same Democratic Party of the 60s? Uh, good questions. Um, well, I, I encourage all of my readers as well as my listeners to go to ReaganBabe.com, and that's R-E-A-G-A-N-B-A-B-E.com, and go ahead and print this article. It's uh, the very first article on my website. Uh, I have pinned it at the top so people can print it out and send it to your congressman, send it to this administration, and make them aware. I do know that Jeff Sessions perhaps is aware of this program because I believe he was the only one to come forward and try to close this tax loophole. If we just close this tax loophole for ITIN dependents, this would really, um, I think, stop this fraud because any dependent should have to prove that they are, uh, number one, a true dependent, and number two, live in this country. Um, there should be no exemption from dependents from Canada or from Mexico. Uh, so I would demand that this IRS tax loophole be closed, and thereby we can save tens of billions of dollars. And my goodness, the, the wall, it'll pay for the wall itself, as well as some of our military. Um, so go ahead and, and download it and send it to your congressional representatives and make some noise. Um, number two, how do you approach a Democrat? You know, I would ask a Democrat if they believe that illegal aliens should have the right to vote. And if they say no, ask them why not. And, it, it, and if, it, if they say yes, ask them why. Because right now the Democrat Party is dependent on illegal aliens. They aren't dependent on the hardworking citizens of this country. If they were, they would be kinder to them. They wouldn't have rammed Obamacare down our throat, the largest tax increase on the middle class and the working class in the history of this country. Um, And so I would simply ask them and frame the argument as far as illegal immigrants, because these are the people that, that are protected to a greater degree than citizens of this country, and see what their answer is. Some people are just completely gone, quite frankly, Marshall. And so I never, you know, there's that old adage, never argue with an idiot because sooner or later someone, you know, is not going to understand the difference. Um, but, but when it comes to illegal aliens, illegal immigration, you know, you can use this article uh, as an example. 
um, because Barack Obama put this program on steroids, and Bill Clinton is the one that designed this program with the IRS to capture uh, lost revenue. And so the benefits that are being granted to illegals are far greater than the benefits being granted to citizens. Well, amen. I sure do appreciate it. I will try to download your article. And uh, thank you very much for all you do. I think the Democratic Party has become the Nazi Party. You just switch conservative for Jew. Well, and that's why they call us Nazis. You know, it's a pro- and that's classic projection. When you understand the radical left and Cloward Piven and Saul Alinsky, you know, those are their idols. Uh, it's certainly not a, a free marketeer as their idol. It's totalitarians are their idols and who they follow in order to implement a variety of rules that work against American citizens in this country. So I thank you, and you can just print it uh, instead of download it and put it in an envelope and send it along. And hopefully, uh, you know, if enough people do this, um, I think we can always make some change. You know, we've brought change before by being loud through the Tea Party, et cetera, and um, we can, we still have that uh, spirit within us. We, we've ushered in uh, Donald Trump as our president, and we can keep going as far as having an impact on the laws on the books to have them changed. Yeah, thanks, Marshall, for your call. That was that was uh, some good questions, and it raises a couple things I want to talk about. Um, first of all, whenever you know comparing JFK, uh, if you go back and actually play his speeches, and you can get them on YouTube and, and other sources, you'll find out that he was a tax cutter. And I, I did some research into. Some of our great tax-cutting presidents, you know, Calvin Coolidge, Ronald Reagan, JFK, and now, you know, Donald Trump, I'm sure, is going to do the same thing. And it always works. It always improves the economy. It always puts more money in people's pockets, which, if you believe in the multiplier and the velocity of money and all those economic theories, uh, is a good thing. But people don't realize that JFK was like a totally different person. Uh, He talked about... Well, so was Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. You know, President Bill Clinton... I was no supporter of his. However, when you look back at some of the things he did because of the pressure put on him by the Republican Congress, mm-hmm. um, he, he cut and slashed the size of the federal government by eliminating 2,000 different um, agencies, and I think there were 250,000 federal jobs that were no longer protected. Uh, and and uh, Donald Trump promises to do the same thing. The difference is is that the press was just happy to go along with the Clintons and his um, you know, Republican-led Congress and giving Clinton all of the credit. Right. But when it comes to Donald Trump, even though he might do exactly the same thing that Bill Clinton did, he will be labeled a Nazi, a usurper, you know, anti-American, and, and the list goes on and on. So, yes. you know, the, the Democrats wouldn't win another election if it weren't for illegal uh, immigrants and if it weren't for the press. The press we, is the Democrat sounding board. It's their propaganda arm. Well, they're, they're, they're the same industry because I know the debate questions right. were, were funneled to the Hillary Clinton campaign. You know, money was being funneled from the Clinton Foundation. It's just basically all one big corporation in their attempt to create this socialist utopia here. But let's talk about the vote fraud thing for a bit because I know you've done some work with that and some great work mm-hmm. with Katie Grimes in California. California, we study California so we don't become California. So that's, that's, right. that's my philosophy here. But the, the right. vote fraud, in a couple of cases, Bernie Sanders, I think, was robbed of his primary. Now, I disagree with Bernie sure. on everything, but he's a man of integrity as far as his positions go. He's consistent. He's not lying about who he is. He says he's a socialist. I can understand that. I reject the philosophy, but I understand that. So I want to talk about Bernie Sanders and also the soak millions of votes for Hillary. So, so what happened to Bernie? Well, Ber- the, the primary was rigged. Uh, the primary was rigged by the DNC. This is all... 
uh, true. You can, you can find it. Uh, the DNC rigged to the primary in favor of Hillary. And my phone and, and Katie Grimes' phone rang off the hook after the primary by disenfranchised voters saying that they went to the polls, uh, as they have for 25 years, and their name just disappeared and they couldn't vote. And this happened to independent voters. It happened to Republican voters. It didn't happen to Democrats. What a surprise. Uh, so, <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah. And, and so when we look at California, we, we know that there's rampant fraud, especially when we have a Secretary of State um, who is supposedly giving instruction to poll workers and demanding that poll workers do not give provisional ballots to Sanders supporters, et cetera. And this is all that we found through uh, the voters that contacted us, as well as the Election Integrity Project, which runs out of California. Now, I, I fled California two years ago in order to come to what I thought was a red state called Nevada. Mm-hmm. Well, I soon learned that uh, it's red maybe in color, but not in philosophy, because the Republicans here vote much like Democrats and are controlled by the large unions, the Culinary Union and the SEIU. And so what I saw in this last election was massive voter registration fraud resulting in voter fraud. Uh, Nevada was very easy to rig. There's only 1 million people that voted in Nevada. 900,000 of those votes came out of one county, Clark County, Harry Reid's backyard. Again, what a surprise. (laughs) What a surprise. So I was fortunate enough to have a friend who ran in a very small assembly district here, Assembly District 15. And if you go to ReaganBabe.com, just search San Vaughn, and uh, you will see the article there I I published on Newsmax as well as ReaganBabe. He sent out... Uh, first-class envelopes with his campaign literature to uh, his district, specifically to demo- actively Democrat, actively registered Democrat voters. Mm-hmm. He sent out approximately 12,000 envelopes to actively registered Democrat voters. He got 10,300 envelopes returned to him. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. <laughs> right. And, and why this is so important is that... Uh, Sand sent first-class envelopes, where most candidates, if not 99.9% of the candidates, send bulk rate envelopes because okay. it's cheaper. Well, if you send bulk rate, then the post it gets returned to the post office, and then it basically gets recycled. But because he sent first-class, the post office was forced then to return those envelopes back to him oh. with a reason as to why they could not be delivered. And what that reason was? Dead, uh, deceased voters, no mail receptacle, no one listed at that address, uh, address doesn't exist. Uh, the list went on and on. And these were still so actively here, registered voters on the voter rolls then? Correct. Okay. Correct. And so wow. this is one small assembly district where only 15,000 votes were cast, or I think it was maybe 18. I think 18,000 votes were cast. He has 10,300 envelopes. <laughs> and Donald Trump only only lost this state by 25,000 total votes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can easily project that across the whole state, and the vote fraud is, is staggering. Here's, here's another question, though. I want to get back to California for a second, because I think Katie mm-hmm. mentioned in one of her articles that there are still boxes and crates and rooms filled with ballots that have never been counted from, that, uh, from a previous election. Correct. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And so what, the, what the California law, see, 
and the Election Integrity Project, you know, they're just a small group of active citizens. They work on donations and work on volunteers. You know, they're only so large, but they have, you know, quite a bit of insight into what's happening. Every time they would make a complaint to the Secretary of State, well, then the legislature in California would just change the law to protect the lawless. And so according to the reports that the Election Integrity Project were giving to the Secretary of State, well, then that would filter down to the legislature, and then they would tighten up the laws to make the laws or to make the system less transparent to the Election Integrity Project. Wow. <laughs> i got one more question on this, and then we're going to take a break. Because mm-hmm. the Democrats and the media, Democrat-controlled media, were making a huge amount that Hillary won the so-called non-existent popular vote. And the reason for that was because of California. But if there's all this vote fraud going on, you know, how can they say that? I think she won by three there's like million. three million um, yeah. illegal votes we're thinking about, or how does that whole work out? Yeah, yeah. She won the popular vote supposedly by three million votes. So, you know, Marshall, if you're still listening, you're going to hear Democrats, you know, um, pine about how it should be the popular vote that matters. Well, then why don't we just eliminate the Senate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. That's the answer to that. Let's just eliminate the Senate, and then you won't have Elizabeth Warren. You won't have you know, Bernie Sanders. You won't have, uh, you know, Barbara Boxer and the like. Uh, so let's just eliminate the Senate and go by the popular vote. Really? Okay, fine. I mean, that's, that's the logic of the left. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. But the popular vote has never determined elections. Even Bill Clinton lost the popular vote. I think he only won by 43% of, of, the, uh, of the populace. Right. And, so, and, and the Democrats will always claim there is no voter fraud. Prove it. Why don't you prove it? The only way that you can prove it is by having an investigation. And that is, until we have an investigation, we won't have any proof either way, will we? Yeah. And the, I know in California, when I left there, um, the voters, they don't ask you know, when you register your, you know, your car or anything like that. They don't ask you if you're a, a citizen. Or they don't have anything like that. They do here in Florida. The first thing they asked me was, you know, provide my birth certificate. And I, I had a passport because I was born in Canada. Uh, and this is why I'm so big on the immigration issue, because I am a legal immigrant. I went through the process. It's a good process. It's a worthwhile process. And it teaches you a lot about this country. So I got more questions for you when we come back. I want to see if there's anything else you want to comment on the article. And we'll take our last break now. This is Greg Penglis, 1330 WEBY. I'll be right back. Greg Penglis here with my special guest, Megan Barth. This is the Action Radio Hour. It's 8.55, and we only have a couple of minutes. Uh, we have to break a couple of minutes before 9 o'clock. So, Megan, if you could give your contact information and where people can hear you uh, online or on radio, uh, I'd appreciate that. Sure. Uh, my website is reaganbabe.com, R-E-A-G-A-N-B-A-B-E.com. Um, they can find my media schedule there on the top right, as well as all of my past articles that I have uh, done with Katie Grimes uh, individually as well as my other contributors. Um, so my media schedule can be found on my website. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm on the show with Wayne Allen Root. Uh, we're about to go to national syndication in April, so I'm excited about that. We'll have a far greater reach than Nevada and Southern California. And my Twitter handle is Reagan underscore baby, and everyone has Facebook, and I have a Reagan baby fan page on Facebook, and it's Reagan baby. Wow. My Twitter is Reagan underscore baby. Cool. Um, this being Action Radio, and I hope to have my own um, website up fairly soon, we're going to start uh, having the audience 
help me write our own legislation. So the purpose of this is to be the action radio rather than the talk radio network. For, you know, this is what I'm trying to design here so that our, our audience actually becomes a citizen legislature. And one of the things I want to run by you is my Proof of Citizenship Act. And this is my idea from an article that I wrote on how to deport millions of illegal aliens without hiring a single stormtrooper because the left is always talking about how they want to, um, you know, we're going to have to have all these raids and people are going door to door and they're bringing up the images of Nazis again in the streets, you know, which is what they want to do. So I was thinking if you could make it impossible for illegal aliens to live here, if pretty much everything you did from bank account to registering kids for school, for getting any kind of benefit, for buying a car, for renting or, live, or buying property, where you had to have a proof of citizenship, would that make it impossible for illegal aliens to be here and would they leave? What do you think? Well, I think it's it's great in theory, but, you know, who's going to have the political will to put that in practice? I mean, we, we now have Republicans uh, who seem to uh, turn a blind eye uh, to illegal immigration uh, and uh, have also normalized uh, the invasion through our borders. Um, you know, without borders, we're not a sovereign country. We can't, we have to have borders. I mean, imagine if Hillary Clinton were president, we would have a 500% uh, spike in Syrian refugees. And we would have an open border system, much like that of, of Germany and, and other members of the EU have, who have committed cultural genocide by allowing their borders to be breached by cultures who have zero interest in assimilation. Wow. And so, you know, we, assimilation is, break then. Uh, assimilation. And that's where it ended. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> a lot of times the, the recordings I got, uh, I was fortunate enough to get the recordings from WBY, but um, when they end, they end very, uh, very dramatically there. So let's, uh, let's see. I got Pianchi in the line, so we'll get him up a little bit and give a, a little bit of... How's she uh, spelling her last name? B-A-R-T-H. I was going to play this for you, so let me do this real quick. Radio, dangerously cool. Here we go. Back to our regularly scheduled program. Here, uh, our first name is Reagan. Megan M G A N. Megan Barth. Her website is ReaganBabe.com. Now I looked it up. She's not there. Uh, I, I think something's happened to it. I've had, I've had trouble finding her in the past. Um, she's now at Nevada Globe, and so if you want to find her, she's the author. Uh, let's get the home page. Here we go. Uh, you say yeah, the Nevada Globe. Uh, oh, for for Megan. Megan M E G A N. Yeah, yeah. Let me see if I can find. Uh, where's her? Where's her? You file? know, I, I, her, uh-huh. I uh, compiled information on illegals. I called it perks to illegals, and it contained much of what she said. She was right on with the fourteen point two million dollars. A billion dollars, and uh, there's a lot of other programs from TAL programs. When they hit the airport, they're given, you know, some uh, like $2,500 cash and uh, on and on and on and on. She's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Trump didn't take care of more of it when he was uh, when he had a chance when he was in office, but uh, I think that's coming because, like I say, Peter Navarro in his book, he was talking about taking back Trump's America. He had he mentioned that on the show, and he had a section uh, in some of the uh, materials about they're going to deal with the illegal alien problem and and get them back. And of course, my question is how? 
what I would do is I would use the ITIN number uh, for massive asset forfeiture and then use that as a way to identify who these people are. Uh, and I would do an illegal alien census. I mean, it would actually have a, a full count in this country of all the illegals. And that would include checking the social security numbers, make sure, making sure they're all genuine. This would be a massive project. Uh, a lot of it could be done by computer, but uh, check citizenship, check everything else, and actually count who the illegal aliens are and who, you know, and where they are. And at that point, it would simply be a matter of massive asset forfeiture uh, or leave. <laughs> you know, so you leave or we're going to take all your stuff. And we might take your stuff anyway uh, just to help pay for your leaving. So, I mean, I don't know how that's going to shake out, but it could be very uh, interesting to see, to see how that works. Well, they should deputize citizens. Like, uh, like Brandon has deputized teachers to overrule parents on a yeah. child's sexual identity. But that's a good clip you play at, uh, to give you credit. I mean, you do a good well, job you. when it comes to that. Well, it's interesting. The beauty of WBY was I got the best guest because I had a radio station. And so I had a radio station behind me. Mike Bates, the, the, my boss who, who hired me, uh, had been doing radio for years and years. So he had a lot of experience. I had a producer. Uh, A-Dog was my producer. And so I helped. And so I basically could concentrate on the show, the information, the research, interviewing the guests. And they ran all the, the technical stuff and uh, because they had the station, because Mike had had everybody. I remember he had uh, Donald Trump Jr. on when he was doing the campaign in 2016. I heard a recording of that. And so all these different people came through, and Mike knew everybody. <laughs> he still does. Um, but so, so I, had, I had a tremendous station behind me. It was a small station. I mean, there were basically three of us and a couple of other uh, producers that came in. Uh, it was a little house. It's actually, it, was, it was built as a radio station. But to make a radio station, they have a... Uh, they had the main studio room, they had the production room, they had like a little living room area, and it had uh, the boss's office. That was it. It's four rooms. Little tiny place, big antenna out back. And I loved it. It was my perfect job. I absolutely loved it. And I only got to do it for a year and four months. But during that time, I accumulated some amazing interviews. And you could see the beginning of Action Radio because I hadn't even, we didn't have our website yet. You know, this is only two weeks into my career, right? So it's March 15th of 2017. So it, the, the citizen legislature was still just an idea. We hadn't even put it together yet. I hadn't, I hadn't structured the website. I hadn't put together how it was all going to work. I was still, I just knew I wanted to do one, but I didn't know how. In fact, that bill that I talked about with her is our Citizenship Identification Act. And we actually have it as a bill now. You can look it up on writeyourlaws.com. Uh, at the uh, all proposed law section, and you'll and and you'll find it there. So here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to put uh, Megan's bio on the Action Radio page, so everybody can find it. I'll also put it in your messenger, so you'll have it too. Uh, so that should that should help out. But uh, yeah, so uh, pretty cool people I was able to talk to. You know, and that's that's why I love playing these interviews because it's it's you know when you're on blog talk, I'm on my own, so it takes me longer to find people. But I did have you know, uh, Wendy Rogers last week and Peter Navarro. And those are two people that that's just amazing to be able to, uh, to have those kind of folks on the show. I think. Well, they produce come forth with information mm -hmm. and tidbits that uh, you normally wouldn't hear. And she made a great point that the democratic party depends on illegals and uh, media in order to make their success in these elections. Yeah. And, and believe it or not, Kanye West was speaking on some things uh -huh. concerning uh, media and uh, people was criticizing on him, wanted to counsel him, 
But these things that he says have been talked about for a very long, long time on who's huh. behind the majority of the media sources in the United States. Here's like six companies. Something up here. And a particular in ethnic group. Or a particular ethnic group of, of people that own the, uh, the these communications companies. And what would that particular ethnic group be? Oh, the name sounds like Whoopi Goldberg's and Weinstein's and so on and so on. Oh. Now, is this documented or is it, you know, I just want to make sure because uh, what you're saying is the owners are Jewish. Yeah, well, you can say that. Okay. Well, if you say the owners of the communications yeah, companies are Jewish and they are, in fact, Jewish, that's okay. I wouldn't, I'm not going to go conspiracy. I'm not going to say derogatory things. I'm not going to you know, say, well, they're, they're, they're running all the communications. But, I mean, how many people own, um, I don't know, Muslim bakeries that are Muslim? I would say all of them. <laughs> so it's not a problem. Okay? I think Chinese yeah. restaurants are, mo- are, are predominantly owned by Chinese or Chinese Americans. You know, I would think so. So now, if we find that the, the community, so are the big communications companies, uh, ABC, NBC, CBS. Uh, oh, they're actually owned by other companies. Well, let's put, let's, let's, let's look this up. We've got a few minutes here. Let's, let's see if this is, uh, and, and what, the, but you know, what's interesting is because the media is, seems to hate Israel. I mean, they favor the Palestinians. So if they're Jewish owners of media and the media stories themselves are very anti-Israel and they're supporting people who are anti-Israel too, like, uh, uh, Obama, who who did everything possible to sabotage Benjamin Netanyahu's election, so that doesn't follow. It's like black mayors that hate black people. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting thing. Uh-oh. Yeah, but you know, another thing she put out there was very accurate about how Obama interfered in elections around the country. Uh, Good luck, Jonathan, the president of Nigeria, said that he interfered with his election. Mm-hmm. He had another African kind of country. Uh, Ivory Coast, a Cote d'Ivoire, a Laurent Bagbo, uh, Obama in France, uh, worked to get him overthrown and replaced by a person by the name of Alessandra Quadra. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Mubarak in Egypt, and you had uh, someone else there in Bahrain, uh, Nanatovich in uh, Ukraine. It just goes on and on. And Gaddafi, like you made mention, it just goes mm-hmm. on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting, you know, you hear these articles uh, or these, these reports that I did, you know, five years ago and you see how little has changed. In fact, most things have gotten worse. So if the ITIN was giving away $14 billion in 2017, it's probably like, you know, 30 to $50 billion now. And how about all these new people? Are they, are they all getting ITIN numbers when they walk in the door? I don't know. Well, what they're able to do is Uh they're able to get home mortgages with those numbers. Yeah, yeah, banks like Citibank, uh, if I remember the report, uh, BL, BOA, they can get the uh, uh, credit cards. And when they sign the promissory note and the documentation for the home, then they can take that documentation to the local voters' registration and register to vote. Mm-hmm. And all along, they're illegal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, this is and this is the thing we can clean up. You know, there's so much we can clean up right here to make our country better. Um, but we've got all these illegals, all these people supporting them, all these government people, corporate people. It's fascinating. All right. So here I found out, I got Forbes magazine here and this is an article six years old, but I think it's still fairly accurate. Kate Vinton, uh, July 1st of 2016 or June 1st, excuse me. So they said that the, the owners of media are Michael Bloomberg, Bloomberg LP and Bloomberg Media, uh, Rupert Murdoch. Uh, let me see. Right, what does Bloomberg own? Bloomberg owns, well, obviously all the Bloomberg enterprises. 
think he owns uh, his net worth four point forty five point seven billion. So he got all the Bloomberg stuff: Bloomberg LP, Bloomberg, you know, Business Week, uh, McGraw Hill, and here's next one: Rupert Murdoch. He's Australian, if I believe. Uh, former CEO, twenty first Century Fox, uh, parent powerhouse of cable TV and Fox News. So they say he's the most powerful, Rupert Murdoch. I think he's died. I think his kids are running it now, or maybe he's maybe just retired. I don't want to misspeak about him. Donald and Samuel Newhouse. Don't know who they are. Uh, who do they? One of they. You own? remember? You remember with Rupert Murdoch? Somebody mm-hmm. was throwing a pie at him. He was someplace. He had his bodyguard, which was an Asian female, and she intercepted it. It might have been his uh, mistress. You remember that occasion? No, actually, I don't. That's uh, you he was someplace at a. Uh, he was someplace, and people was angry at him. And someone in the audience was getting ready to throw one of them cream pies at him, and she intercepted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't it, know it, what it is uh, about me, but I just remember these. Oh, yeah. At least we all remember interesting things. Let me give you a couple more uh, owners here. You've got the Cox family, owns the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, and then we've got Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post. He also owned Amazon for a while. John Henry, Boston Globe. Sheldon Adelson, Las Vegas Review-Journal. Joe Mansueto, uh, Fast Company Magazines. Mortimer, Mortimer Zuckerman, U.S. News and World Report, New York Daily. Uh, the Barbie family, B-A-R-B-E-Y, that's Village Voice. Stanley Hubbard, Hubbard Broadcasting, Patrick Sun Chung, Tribune Publishing. So we got a lot of folks here. Warren Buffett has a bunch of regional daily newspapers. Victor Vekelberg. We've got uh, Carlos Slim Helu. All these different people. So there's a lot of people I, I don't know. So as to are they all Jewish? No, they're not. <laughs> are some? Yes. So we can't. Uh, so rather than make a the generalization stand, we've got. Uh, where's Elon? I see Elon Musk down here too. Well, he, he's probably going to be one of the, the – those probably count him as a social media. Now, five years ago, social media isn't as big as it is now. So I wonder if they're talking – I wonder if – see, I would include uh, – uh, what's his name? Zuckerberg. And uh, who owns and, – and, of course, Elon Musk, if he buys Twitter, he'll be one of the most powerful media people. So that's just – Yeah, it. but these yeah, conversations – Yeah, you can't go in for – These acquisitions were going on. Yeah, those acquisitions were going on decades. In uh-huh. these, these two decades ago, so things do change yeah. as time goes by. So. Well, they do, but the thing is, you know, but I, I hear, you know, all the bankers are Jewish, all the, the media owners are Jewish, and I just don't, you know, it's just insulting. It's it's derogatory. It's just, you know, now unless it's true, uh, but even if it is true, does that mean that that affects all communications? And I would say even if it were true, but it's not. But if it were, considering the media's treatment of Israel, that would be kind of dumb. <laughs> You know, to do that. But, uh, you know, I mean, you're, you're free to say things like that. We look at them, we take a look, we analyze, and we, and I conclude that it's, 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 it's not true. That's just from my reading of, of the, the people that I, you know, all those billionaires who own all those media things, you know, as reported by uh, Forbes, which used to be owned by Malcolm Forbes and is owned by Stephen Forbes now. Do you remember Malcolm Forbes? He died in a rodeo accident at like 75 years old or something. He was, fell off, uh, his horse rolled back and killed him. There was a gutsy guy. Used to go to work in big cowboy boots. He started Forbes mm. magazine. Do you remember him? He was a big media owner. No. Steve, yeah, that was Steve, uh, his son, Steve ago. Forbes, he was now older. You know Steve Forbes of Forbes magazine? He ran for president a while back. In that year when you had about 40 contenders? I think so. But the funny thing was, he actually came through my town because I was in... Uh, 
um, Contra Costa County in California, which is part of the San Francisco Bay Area, C4's bus was driving by, and I was driving by, and I went, whoa. So I, I did a crazy thing. I actually pulled over his bus. I didn't pull over. I mean, I drove in front of it, parked, and I waved at him. I said, hey, guys, can I talk to you? They opened the door. Yeah, what do you want? I said, well, I've never met a billionaire before. Can I, I want to shake Steve Forbes' hand. So you're kidding, right? He said, no, I'm not. I said, are you media? No, just a citizen. All right, wait a minute. <laughs> so they closed the door. And like five minutes later, Steve Forbes comes out. Forbes goes out. They get to shake his hand and say, I, this is great. I've never met a billionaire before. This is really cool. That man has never done a day of physical work in his life. He had like girl hands. Sorry, Steve Forbes. Sorry to admit it. But, you know, you got to get a broom, dude. Do some physical work. <laughs> you know, get, get some toughness to, uh, to there. But he's definitely uh, – uh, and, and I wonder if uh, you think about that with billionaires, how much work they actually do. Get out there. You know, get out there. Do some work. <laughs> do something physical. It, uh, it, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience. That's my billionaire talk. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Anything else we, have, we need to chat about today? I think we've covered everything. Yeah, your recording has got stopped. I'm getting ready to cut out of here. Yeah, oh, it does, but it, I still have an extra hour, but I, I like the idea of being able to run a little bit overtime just in case. I will see you tomorrow, Thursday, 7 a.m., and I got the whole day. I, uh, well, I do have a guest. We have, uh, we have another guest coming Where's up. Where's the doctor? Doctors, we ended that. The doctors are all doing different things. Uh, in fact, I got to talk to uh, Jenny okay, Michael. She okay. texted me during the show. So I have, to, I have to get back a hold of her. It never ends. This is, uh, Action Radio is 24-7. I just happen to spend three of it on the air. <laughs> I spend the rest of my time working off the air, and there's a lot more work off the air. But that's okay. It's all fun. Uh, so 7 o'clock tomorrow, and we guess at 9 o'clock we're going to talk um, writing a bill to mandate video cameras in the classrooms, and this should be very interesting. So another bill writer, another citizen legislator. Uh, starts here on Action Radio tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Let's do it again. Uh, Greg Pangos here at blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Also, our legislative site, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Play a couple things real quick, and I will see you all tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time. This is Greg Pangos. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.